the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. If you have not done so, please subscribe and hit the bell notification so you can notify whenever we have new content available to you. You can also check us out on your favorite podcast app and stay up to date with the show when you're on the go while you're traveling all the way around for your Christmas vacation. Oh, I'm so happy for you guys. So we're going to be all going around the world for Christmas. It's going to be fantastic this weekend. Football every single day of the weekend. Fantasy football playoffs. And we're all here for it. Of course, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Join my co-host, Adam LaRue. Adam, how are we doing today? Doing well. Uh, excited. Of course, it's the best time of the year holidays being part of it but the big part being it's the fantasy football playoffs so excited to much to talk about much to talk about here's my thing so i I know last year and this year it lined up perfectly for the nfl to overtake the nba on christmas day because it was either on a saturday or sunday you know on monday so okay it makes sense to have football next year christmas day is on a wednesday do you think the nfl is still going to try to screw over the nba in the middle of the week (laughs) i think so i think so i I'm curious how they schedule that. I imagine it'll be like, I don't know, maybe like a Thursday team. You give them the short week. Like, I, I don't know how you manage it, but um, I, I Sunday to Wednesday would be terrible. I can't imagine they put any team in that position, but obviously this time of year, there's not really buys to help you work that around, but I imagine they'll try to make something work. That would be disgusting. I hope not. Uh, we got... Uh, Arhun uh, or or Arjun. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing the name. I probably am. But we got a first question of the day. And keep these questions fire. We know it's the playoffs. You guys got to get these questions. You're trying to come up with these dilemmas. We are too. We're going to help you out all throughout the show. Uh, but he's asking, would you start Derrick Henry or Devonta Smith? I'm thinking of starting Taylor and Nina at running back. Uh, I would. I would. I know it was ugly last week. I get it. And I know Devonta Smith has a good matchup on paper, but I actually would still stick with Derrick Henry for this week over Devonta. Uh, you're definitely starting Taylor at, at running back this week, and it looks like he is, in fact, going to be back. Adam, what would your answer be here? I think I want to agree. The passing game in Philadelphia right now does not look good. Uh, Jalen doesn't look particularly good throwing the ball. Uh, now, part of that was he was obviously sick this past week. So, uh, you know, yeah, maybe we can see a little bit further in that, in my he, Well, I agree. I was going to say maybe there's something to be said about that, but he's been looking rough for a while. I think that he is, you know, all the hits of the year starting to build up on him a little bit. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's tough. Uh, I'd probably go Derek, but. It, it, it feels bad after this past week. Yeah, it's ugly. But with if, if Will Levis is going to be uh, out and you've got Ryan Tannehill, I do have Derrick Henry ranked ahead of my flex rankings for over Devonta Smith. Chris, let's welcome Chris into the show. Chris, how are we doing today, buddy? I'm doing okay. I'm doing better than uh, Jalen Hurts is sounding like uh, Adam, Adam talking about looking like he's not going to get the ball. The guys, have you guys ever seen a guy just like close his eyes and throw the ball up in the air and only need 13 yards? <laughs> well, not to get too distracted, but the no, Sirianni no. response was, say, was yeah. worse. Was he's trying worse. to defend it like, oh, we're trying to get a pass interference downfield. Why are, why are you trying to do that? <laughs> why get trying to defend your, your goal, players? Your coach should do, but I don't know what kind of excuse that is. 
<laughs> your your goal offensively is not to get the penalty. It, the penalty is like the icing on top of the cake. Like it's nice if it happens, but that's not the goal when you call a play here. So yeah, that was just a lame excuse. Maybe that's what Jalen Hurts meant by not being prepared. Um, <laughs> no, it was plays for not this. enough commitment. He said it was not enough commitment. Enough, sorry, not commitment. We don't know how to commit to get thirteen yards. All right, well, we're starting the show off on fire. We got our questions fire my way through all throughout the show. We're already taking digs at Nick Serini and Jalen Hurts as a 49ers fan. I could love nothing more. Let's start it off with our first matchup of the day. So check this out. We got a Thursday night game. And while the last couple Thursday night games, I actually have to say, wound up being pretty interesting, even though we weren't expecting them to be. This game going into it at least looks like a decent matchup on paper. We get the Los Angeles Rams taking on the New Orleans Saints in Los Angeles. The Rams have been on fire as of late. They've actually 4-1 their last five games, and they're favoring this game at minus 4.5 with an over-under of 44.5, so a decent over-under the boots. The Rams, as four-point favorites or more this season, are actually 2-0, and and I think they just look like the better team than the Saints. So I am cashing on the Rams here uh, to cover the spread. If I could just get my soundboard to actually work, that'd be great. Fantastic. Yes, we're cashing on the Rams here for that one. All right, so let's dive into this a little bit. Matthew Stafford, I still have him ranked as a QB7. I know on paper, this is a tough matchup. The Saints have only allowed the fifth least passing yards uh, this season. Still a little bit banged up in the secondary, but they have been tough defensively. Usually a little bit better at home, though. I kind of like the fact that this game is in Los Angeles. Chris, is Matthew Stafford a top 10 quarterback, in your opinion, this week? I think he's borderline top 10. I mean, I think he's sniffing out by him as high as seven. I think the options are kind of limited, obviously, this this week. Um, we've seen Matthew Stafford go against some good defenses of late, especially that Ravens defense a couple of weeks ago You know, stands out to mind. You know, a lot of teams were struggling, especially scoring in Baltimore. He went out there and lit it up. So I do think this is a, an event, a game that he can take advantage of. Um, the thing that I think like good for Matthew Stafford is, is that right now New Orleans isn't as stout versus run as they have been. When they've had that threat, the run game with Kyron Williams, that play action has been deadly. Matthew Stafford getting his weapons healthier. I do think it's a good chance he definitely should be you know in your lineup. I think he's just a borderline top 10. I don't think he's got as much upside as maybe you're hoping for. I think at quarterback, if you can just get somebody who's holding down the fort, that's what you go with. And he's had 20 points the last four weeks in a row. And I'm with you. When they've had Kyron in there, the play action's working. This offense is clicking. Uh, Arhun coming in. Do you mind telling me your lineup? Uh, just If you have a start-sit decision, give me that. I don't want to have to read your whole lineup or look at your whole lineup while we're trying to do this show. Uh, but if you want to hit us up with your entire lineup, you absolutely can on social media, at BillyUpMDFFShow. Just send us a DM. We'll help you out that way. Or just give us a start-sit question here uh, while we're doing this. Here's what I do like. For Matthew Stafford, though, he's got a 247 and a half passing yard prop. He's been over that three of the last four games. So I do like that. I also like the overall one and a half passing touchdowns. He's been over that all the last four games this week as well. Uh, we don't care about Derek Carr, but I will say this. He has thrown two touchdowns or more each of the last two games. And the Rams have actually allowed the 10th most passing touchdowns this season. He does get Chris Olave back. So I think Carr does throw for two touchdowns in this game to get over his one and a half touchdown prop. Don't care for him for fantasy though. Kyron Williams, my number two running back again on the week. And uh, guess what, Chris, you kind of alluded to this. They've allowed the saints that is have allowed the 12th most rushing yards to the running back so far this season. He's got a 91 and a half rushing yard prop. I know that sounds high, 
but he's been over that for the last five games too. I think that trend continues here on Thursday night. Alva Kamara comes in as the top five running back. That's what he's been just due to volume. And he's got a low 49 and a half rushing yard to boot. He's been over that four games in a row. So I do like him to hit the over on that. His receiving yard prop of 29 and a half yards. He's been over that three of the last five games. I think that continues too. So we're riding our studs and it's looking good as far as the props are concerned too. Let's talk a little Puka Nakua here, Adam. Uh, He's coming into this one. It's been a mixed bag, especially as of late. Cooper Cup looks like he's starting to reassert himself as the number one, at least especially over the last two weeks. I do have him ranked at wide receiver 17. Do you still have the confidence with him as a wide receiver two this week? Yeah, I I think wide receiver two is is dead on the money. Uh, I I think you've kind of lost some of the upside uh, with Cup, but he still runs every single route, uh, quite literally every snap, every route last week. It's clear. Um, the, you know, the focal points of this offense for the Rams are Kyron cup and Puka. Um, you know, there's going to be some games where cup goes off some games where it's Puka, some games where it gets a little mixed. Um, but I, I think he's a very, very playable asset. And I think someone that I feel confident, uh, playing as a two, um, that, you know, on a week to week basis can put up some big points as well. Yeah, I like it. There's no way I'm not playing Puka Nakua in my lineup. He's a, he's one of the reasons I helped got you here in the first place. Chris, you want to uh, answer our? I'm going to call him Arhun. I'm going to assume the J's sound like an H. Just it seems the big way that it's spelling is. You want to answer the uh, defense question for me, defense guru over there? Uh, Broncos D against the New England Patriots or the Eagles D against Devito and the Giants? Yeah, I like the both choices there, but I'm going to go with the Eagles defense. I'm not going to believe in DeVito. The Giants have been getting away with trying to run the ball all the time. It's the one thing the Eagles defense has not been bad against this season as of late either. Except for Monday. Oh, except for Monday. <laughs> well, it's a little bit different weapons they're kind of facing too. And it wasn't, they were, um, it's different situation of receivers you're facing as well. I think the tension was being drawn all about other guys as well. So I do think this is a good matchup for the Eagles defense. I think this is a game that they kind of might have to carry for the offense. So I think the defense has got the upside in that game. Let me Especially ask you this. Take one place half the snaps again. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Also, don't forget, like, the, the Giants give you, like, five sacks just by getting off the bus. Like, that's much of a guarantee, like, you get five <laughs> sacks automatically. No, and, and all that and all that's fair. But let, since we don't talk much defense, let me, let me ask you this question, though. Because Matt Patricia's calling the plays now. And every time Matt Patricia's called the plays for a defense, their run defense has sucked. So will Matt Patricia just torpedo what the Eagles have done against running backs this year? <sighs> That's a fair question, Dan, and, and Matt Patricia can torpedo anything. But what I feel like we have a good chance of is if the defensive tackles are pretty big boys, that even he can't mess that up. I think it's a pretty good chance that they should be able to at least you know, take advantage of this porous offensive line of the Giants, be able to get pressure, be able to stop their run. Um, so I do think it's still a good advantage for them, even with the albatross of Patricia calling plays. Matt Patricia says, hold my beer. All right. So Cooper Cup. My pencil. <laughs> yeah, my pencil too. Uh, Cooper Cup, I do have him ranked as a top 12 receiver this week. Uh, he's crushed a 73 and a half receiving yard prop over the past two weeks. I don't know. Oh. Call me crazy. We just talked about Puka. I feel like this might be a little more of a Puka week. So I'm actually not going to be betting on the 73 and a half passing yards for Cooper Cup, but he's still in my lineup no matter what. Good news on Chris Olave. Finally, good news on the injury front. He is going to play. He is off the injury report heading into the game. I got him at wide receiver 15 heading into this week. 
He has been over that three of his last four games. And the Rams have allowed the 13th most yards to receivers. I think he gets over as the alpha dog in the passing game this particular week. Um, you know, Rasheed Perry or Rasheed Perry might as well be the same guy. Rasheed Shahid and A.T. Perry. Uh, I don't think there's any real reason to play these guys from a fantasy perspective. Uh, Taysom Hill. Uh, I'm not doing it. Adam, I'm not, I'm not doing it, man. I can't. I got him a Titan in 15. I get it. He, that means because I ranked him outside the top 12, will probably fall in the end zone for three times. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it in my fantasy football playoffs. He hasn't been touching the ball enough as of late since he's had the injuries. Even last week, there was no Olave. He was back and healthy. They still didn't get the ball to him. You just don't know. I'm not doing it. Are you? It depends on the situation. If, if, my tight end, I have ranked anywhere outside of my top 10. I'm sorry, but if I'm rolling the dice at that point, I'm just going to at least get the upside. Like, if all I can expect is seven points, I may as well go for broke. Uh, if I have anything that I can feel confident I'm getting, like, double digits, I'm going to go that route over Taysom. Like, a likely, obviously, like, your top-tier tight ends, like, something like that. Dalton Schultz even probably, but like once you get past that, then I'm out. I'm well, that's kind of my thing. Like them. there's, there's actually good tight ends in my book. Like here, here's my 10 through 14. I got Cole Komet, Hunter Henry, Dallas Goddard, Darren Waller, Dalton Schultz. That's my 10 through 14 at tight end this week. I'm not, I don't think I'm taking the chance on Taysom Hill over any of those guys. Chris, you're smirking over there. What do you got? I'm with Adam on this one. I mean, I think that unless I have one of those top secure guys that I feel really confident in the matchups, all those guys you talked about, Daniel, they're, they're all great matchups, but it's been boomer bust at tight end position. Even Dalton Schultz kind of didn't necessarily eat last week, despite being one of the few receivers out there on the field. It's Case Keenum still throwing the ball to him. So I, I do have some concerns about different situations throughout, and I and I think Taysom Hill, one thing he wasn't necessarily – I don't think he was very, health, very healthy last week. I think he should be healthier this week. Um, so I do think there's a chance he could fall in the end zone as Adam talked about and a chance you kind of see him sprinkled in. And, hey, two games, you know, their car's bound to get hurt again at some point soon. <laughs> Look, here's all I'm going to say. If you play Taysom Hill and he does drop two touchdowns on Thursday night football, do yourself a favor and play the lottery for Christmas too because your luck might be running sky high. All right, we don't care about Tyler Higby, not for fantasy football purposes, but prop-wise, I do care a little bit. 29 and a half receiving yards. He's been over that the last two weeks in a row. And the Saints have allowed the 12th most receiving yards to the tight end. It might only come on two, three catches. That's all I need, but I am taking the over on Tyler Higby getting 29 and a half receiving yards this week. You guys got any other notes for this Thursday night matchup? Is Jimmy Graham going to catch a touchdown pass? And that's like the only thing he does. He's absolutely going to. He's got eight catches, four touchdowns, that's a 50% touchdown rate. Of course he's going to. <laughs> we'll put that on anytime touchdown. I actually do like that for an anytime touchdown, by the way, with the way he's been playing. All right, let's go to our next game. <laughs> We go to our first Saturday game. We got the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. That will be at 430. So, again, there's two Saturday games. Make sure you guys are aware of who you got playing and set those lineups a little bit earlier. Uh, with the Bengals, we have Jamar Chase, the AC joint sprain. Join us tomorrow at 930 here on our YouTube channel. We'll be with Brian Scott. We're going to talk about Jamar Chase, uh, but the expectation is Jamar Chase is not going to play this week. Sounds very, very questionable for your fantasy football championship week too we'll go into but but dan that. his superhero uh second player t higgins will be out there who by the way what what a beastly catch he just made this past that was amazing 
and just showing people how to moss somebody and then turn around and score a touchdown all in one motion. Yeah, I mean, I know this is a fantasy show, but T. Higgins, look, for the most part, mostly due to injury, some due to circumstances with the Cincinnati Bengals, but he is a free agent at the end of this year. It's kind of been a lost season as far as bumping his numbers up. What he needs to do, especially now that Chase is not going to be around, is make plays like that, big splash highlight plays down the stretch to then save what he was not able to produce from an overall statistical standpoint for his free agency. So making plays like that, showing him how talented, how good, how focused, how dedicated, how committed to steal a word from Jalen Hurts he can be, I think that's going to be a big thing to see. Um, and, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that's why I'm locking him in as a top 20 receiver uh, this week at wide receiver. Higgins this week. At wide receiver 19. So, yeah, we're, we're on the same page there. On the Steelers' side, Najee Harris practiced in full today. So while he did not practice yesterday, it sounds like he's going to be good to go forever dealing with the knee injury, forever running in concrete. Uh, as far as the game lines go here, the Cincinnati Bengals are favored in this one. Even without Jamar Chase, the line did not move. They're favored at minus two and a half with an over under of 38 and a half. Guys, I think Jake Browning is legit. The Steelers defense is very, very banged up. I am taking Cincinnati to cover the two and a half in this game. The mojo in Pittsburgh is done. Mason Rudolph, the duck. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> it's, it's over. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is not going to save the day this Christmas Eve, this Christmas weekend. Uh, Jake Browning, speaking of him, ECR needs to catch up. They still got him a QB 19. I might move Browning into my top 12 before we get to Saturday. Right now, he's sitting at 13, which makes him a, stop, a top streaming option. I don't care that he doesn't have Chase. He's had three top eight finishes. Only one of those games that Chase was, he was even a factor. He, other than that, four targets, 64 yards, four targets, 44 yards. Those are the other two games. And yet, and yet, Jake Browning still finishes the top eight the last three weeks in a row. Uh, Jake Browning, a fine option if that's the route you want to go. What do you think, Adam? Uh, sorry, is this Chase Brown? Uh, Jake Browning. Oh, Jake Browning. Uh, he's played well. Uh, wh- wh- what's the question about him are you playing him oh so i'll jump in real quick dan i have a little i definitely understand what you're saying and i think you made some valid points i think jake browning is a playable option where i am concerned about jamar chase with the statistics he didn't have what he does help a lot is draws a lot of attention and opens up a lot of those underneath throws that jake browning kind of feasts off of it i do have some concerns that are going to not be those easier throws so i do think the upside is going to be more limited and there that's where i do think jake brown i guess is a playable option but as i necessarily trying to get into my line of top 12. I mean, I think he's right there as a low-end QB1, high-end QB2, which is what I have him ranked at as when we're talking about a QB13. I think depending upon your options, I do still think he is a fine play, especially with the way the running backs have been activated in the screen game. <sighs> yeah, we got to see Mason Rudolph this week. Lovely. Uh, Joe Mixon comes in as a top 10 running back for me. Despite the usage split between him and Chase Brown, the offense is moving better. And Joe Mixon's dominating red zone. He's just getting the touchdowns. You have to play him, especially against the Steelers defense that is breaking as of this moment. Chase Brown, by the way, do have him in top 36, a low-end level flex play with the touches and the explosibility that he has shown to this point. Uh, Adam, help me out with the Steelers' backfield, man. I, I got the technically they're both in the top 36 for me. I got Warren at 31, Najee at 34, but man, 
man, I want to avoid it if I can at all possible. Is there anything you want to take a chance on here with the Steelers running backs? There's a chance I could get pushed into a Jalen Warren flex play, but that's it. Uh, the nothing about playing Najee feels good at all. I know you know there's a chance uh, just based on volume that you could get a decent week out of him, but I I don't feel anything you know good about playing him. I I don't feel like he feels welcome in that Pittsburgh locker room for much longer. Um, you know. I don't know. I, like I said, Warren's like a fringe flex guy, and that's about all I can do with the Steelers' backfield. I mean, I, I think if you play Warren, first of all, it's only going to be a full-point PPR. Your hope is Mason Rudolph does enough dump-off passes, I guess. But I think that was your hope with, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, and, and that didn't really come to fruition. It's just The Steelers' offense is flat-out just a mess right now. The only guy I'm playing with, I don't even want to say confidence, but I'm not necessarily biting my nails is Deontay Johnson. I bet wide receiver 32 because at least I know he's the number one read, no matter who the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers is. And George Pickens, while Mike Tomlin came out and said he's going to play any more antics. And I don't think he's going to be out in the field much longer. Like it's getting kind of ridiculous with George Pickens right now, as far as what he's been doing or not doing, I should say, as far as effort. And I'm kind of surprised, honestly, that Tomlin's even letting him play this week after flat out just negligence on his part on the field last week. Uh, just It was just absolutely disgusting to see that. You didn't want to get hurt, Dan. Yeah, uh, you, you can't admit that out loud. You can't. It, it was obvious as what was happening mm-hmm. during the play anyway, but you can't admit that out loud. And I just know to, to have the gall to say that you think that has a, a better chance, like you being healthy matters more to getting in the playoffs than a touchdown in a game that has like a 15% swing on your percentage to win the playoffs. It, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In defense, he did watch Deontay Johnson do it the week before. Yes, but at least Deontay didn't say it out loud. And at least Deontay gets the ball and the touchdowns. So there's there's a little bit of a difference. George Pickens, you don't have that clout. You haven't done what Deontay Johnson does. And also, to be a little bit fair to Deontay Johnson, there's a bit of a size discrepancy here between the two of them. Like, George Pickens, if he cared, would actually be probably competent enough to run block. Deontay, like, I'm sorry, dude, you're getting pushed over even by a corner. Yeah, no, one, one, one hundred percent. Needless to say, we're not playing George Pickens. I guess the question here, and my rankings certainly tells you where I'm at. Um, without Jamar Chase, where do you guys fall in with Tyler Boyd? Does he deserve to be in a flex conversation? Now, I'll be up front here. I got it ranked at wide receiver fifty nine. This is with me anticipating Jamar Chase was not going to play even when I did this. I don't care. I, I'm not. There's no way Tyler Boyd's cracking my lineup. But I would like to see where you guys are at. No, this year it hasn't been, uh, you know, the thing it had been in years past where he's like the one true handcuff at wide receiver that has felt lost this year. Um, And I'm just not going back to the well unless I am incredibly, incredibly desperate. Yeah, I'm not as confident in like as Browning that I talked about earlier with his upside. So I also have some questions about how you know involved he's going to be and how much Boyd's going to be featured in this offense. As you talked about, Dan, the running back's been heavily involved in screen attack. They're going to be spreading the ball around a lot. I'm not looking for Tyler Boyd to be in my lineup this week. No, agreed. And Pat Firemuth, it used to be nice, man, but not anymore. Tanner Hudson, uh, his prop at 28 and a half receiving yards, more like two and a half receptions, is interesting to me because the way he's been catching the ball and Jamar chases out might be a few extra targets, especially the two and a half catches. He's been over that the last three weeks in a row. Uh, but fantasy wise, not necessarily something I'm trying to plug in my lineup. Any other notes you guys want to get to here? Just for myself, uh, if you're in dire straits, 
Um, I don't think Pat Firmuth is a terrible player. Mason Rudolph does tend to look at the tight end. He has a history of kind of featuring the tight end and looking for them first. Oh. So I know Deontay Johnson, as you talked about, is kind of alpha in this offense. The belt, you know, right off Pat Firmuth as being an option is somebody maybe you could put in your lineup as a tight end. I mean, DFS-wise, but there's his floor is so much lower than everybody else that we talked about, uh, I, I think, this week. I'm just I'm not looking that way. But DFS, take a shot. Yep, Mason Rudolph does have a history throwing the ball to Pat Firemuth. Uh, with that, let's move on. <laughs> The Saturday night game is the Buffalo Bills taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Really no injuries of note that's going to keep anybody out. Don Kincaid, uh, limited participant in practice, but not expected to miss this week. Keenan Allen still dealing with the heel, working off to the side with trainers the last two days, but has not officially practiced. Tune in tomorrow. That'll tell us what we need to know for Saturday. Because remember, that will be their quote-unquote Friday practice on Thursday. So we'll know more then. The Bills, as you would suspect, are favored to dominate this game. Minus 13 and a half against the Chargers with a 42 and a half over under. Look, the Bills have all the motivation in the world. They have to win out to secure their place in the playoffs. Uh, This is a game in which they should show up and dominate quite easily. I don't see a reason why the Bills don't cover even in a big 13 and a half point spread here. I don't see any reason why that would not happen. Josh Allen. I get last week he had his career low in pass attempts and, and everything else, but he still gets a rushing touchdown, still gets your rushing yards. I know it's a game in which he might not have to do as much. He's still my QB1 overall. There, just, there's just no way he's not going to be the number one. Or I shouldn't say there's not going to be anyone who's not going to be number one, but he's definitely the top quarterback with that matchup. And they could use it as an opportunity to get the passing game right. I'm just going to put that uh, out there. I do like Easton Stick to throw at least – one interception in this game. So we'll take the over on that 0.5 interception prop this week. Austin Eckler, Adam, I don't think he has to be in your lineup. I got him at 26 now. I might be moving him down as we get closer to Saturday, but he's nothing more than RB3 flex play. He's only having game tape now, Danny. He's putting game tape on for next year, free agency. Yeah, he has to play for. He just came out and said that this week. Yeah, well, unless he's getting juiced back into that ankle, he doesn't have the explosive ability to do anything about it anyway. So I don't think it really, really matters. He's only had one finish in the last five games that was higher than an RB32. Now, I will say he's only two weeks removed from having a top eight finish, but he's not involved enough in the passing game. Even last week when they should have been all Eckler, they just chose to give it to Spiller when they were getting blown out. I would worry about that happening again this week, especially if there's no Keenan Allen out there. I don't know what the Chargers are really going to be able to do to sustain drives on a consistent basis. So, uh, yeah, this I don't think you have to play Austin Eckler. Adam, are you going to play Austin Eckler this week? I have him in a couple lineups. Thankfully, uh, both of them uh, are lineups where I've had him on buys. And where I'm kind of looking at doing is one of them, the situation allows me to not, and I'm going to avoid it. And one of them, I think I'm going to, you know, bite my fingernails and play him in the flex. And that's just going to be how we go. Um, so for me, I, I think he's a, a flex candidate. I, I don't love it if I can avoid it. Um I don't know. It's something I've gone back and forth on. Same with, with Keenan. If he does end up playing, who I, I would certainly play, but just have my confidence level uh, in that with it being a defensive coach that got fired and their head coach in Staley, 
how much will change in the offense. I would hope that directionally, you know, your offense would just go to let's get our our studs involved uh, and try to win out. And, you know, obviously interim coach might want to try to, you know, put something on tape to get some interviews. But I, I don't know if anything really changes because you've, you've retained your OC. And that kind of gives me pause on anything significant happening on offense. Yep. No, I think that's completely and utterly fair. And that's why if I can help it, I'm going to try not to play Austin Eckler this week. Uh, James Cook, he's a top three running back for me this week. I know he didn't practice today with an illness. He's, it's not expected to keep him out for the game or anything like that. But um, he's been fantastic. He's been over his receiving yards prop, which is 21 and a half coming into this game. The last four games in a row, he's playing a Chargers team that allows the second most receiving yards to the running backs. So I love him over the 21 and a half receiving yard prop this week. Stefan Diggs. All right, Diggs. I'm going to look into the camera for this one. Stefan, right here. You and me. I need you to come through. I know you've been on a slump. I know it's been bad, but you're playing the Chargers. They can't cover anything. This is the big week for you, buddy. I got him as a top eight wide receiver. Got to get him back on track. What's killing me, he's got a 70 and a half receiving yard prop. He's been under that four last five games. You can't bet it, but I'm putting my lineup, and I say Diggs gets off the schneid in this game and finally comes back to life. Lock it in. Lock it in. If Keenan Allen does play, I do have him as a top 12 wide receiver. No one's touching Gabe Davis, right? Use egg man himself. <laughs> it's been brutal the last four weeks. Don Kincaid. Chris, you always love talking Don Kincaid. ECR's still got him top 10. It's just it doesn't make any sense. Just it makes those. I got him at tight end 19. He has not been better than tight end 21 when Dawson Knox is active. And again, I cannot stress this enough. It has nothing to do with Dawson Knox being productive. It has everything to do with Dawson Knox taking away snaps and therefore taking away opportunities. When Kincaid was his dominant self at the tight end position, he was getting between 25 and 32% target share. When Knox is on the field, he gets between 15 and 19, and that hasn't changed since Knox has come back. Why do we continue to rank him as a top 10 tight end, Chris? Why? Don't understand. Because it's Dalton Kincaid, and everybody loves Dalton Kincaid. That's all I can give you. You know, this game's only on Peacock. It's really annoying. Uh, you guys got any other notes for this one? No, just one real quick note. Can he be on more uninspired by Giff Smith as the coach? Like, I, I was just thinking to myself, like, have I been less excited about a change ever in my life as a coach? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Completely, like you never really know when an interim head coach and who it's going to be. But I'm going to bet money on this one. I'm, I just got the feeling like Gift Smith isn't going to rise to the occasion. <sighs> yeah, I, I'll go with at it the other direction. I almost always, and I've talked about this on the show, almost always when a coach gets fired, will I bet money line on that team the next week? I'm not doing it this week. Not even yeah. close. I'm not even going to bet them to cover. <laughs> That's yeah, where this- I'm at. The Dan was talking about, you know, the cover, and I'm like, yep, I'm I'm all about Buffalo. I'm really a double-digit guy and confident enough. I watched Easton stick. I watched a Charger defense does not give a shit anymore, and they're playing for a Gift Smith. Yeah. 
yeah, it's not a, it's not an inspiring situation. This is not a, we get tougher, more simple or react faster the following week of a coach getting fired. This doesn't, this doesn't have that same type of feel. I'm with you guys on that one. All right, let's go to our next match. <laughs> We got the Colts taking on the Falcons in Atlanta. Zach Moss did not practice today. Michael Pittman was limited, so that does give him a chance coming off the concussion injury for this Sunday. We'll still have to see more. Jonathan Taylor, they didn't technically practice today, but Jonathan Taylor was listed, if they had, as a full participation in practice. So it makes me feel pretty good about Jonathan Taylor's chances coming back to play. No real injuries to report on the Atlanta side, other than Desmond Ritter has been benched again, and it will be the the Taylor Heineke show and reportedly from Arthur Smith's mouth for the rest of the season. We'll see how the first quarter goes. Yeah, it really does. It really, it really doesn't matter at all. Like if we, uh, we have to talk about Atlanta's offense at all in this game. Do we have to, is that what you're asking? I mean, really, that's, I'm, that's, you know, <laughs> do we have to? Cause I, I just feel like we do have to. A, a, an offense. It's just, ugh. We have to, from the standpoint, a lot of people want to know if you were lucky enough to survive the negative 1.4 points you got out of Bijan because of the fumble last week, whether or not you could play Bijan. Here's what I'm going to say. Do I feel great about this? No. But I do have Bijan still ranked as a top 10 running back this week. And it's mostly because of this. Arthur Smith's an idiot. He's a clown. He's unpredictable in his usage. He doesn't always get his guys... His best guy is the football. No arguments here. What we have seen, especially in the case of Bijan this season, is that he'll have a tendency, when under heavy scrutiny, the following week, to somewhat bounce back and get that player the ball. We've seen it with Bijan already this year. So I'm going off of, I think, there's a course correction that Bijan gets fed the ball, assuming he doesn't fumble this week, which I can't believe it's still a thing in the NFL, but apparently with some of these dumb old-school coaches who are out of touch with the league that they're in today, still abide by that rule. So, But I am going with Bijan as a top-10 running back. I am going to play him this week. And, yeah, I, I, that, that's the most I wanted to get into with the Atlanta offense, to be honest with you. Drake London is a, is a flex wide receiver. Uh, we didn't really get to see too much of Drake London and Taylor Heineke together. Remember, Drake London was hurt the first game. Heineke played. Heineke got hurt in the second game that they were together. Uh, we know in the past Heineke has YOLO'd it to his number one option. Drake London, he's a, he's a mid-level wide receiver three, which isn't all that different from what he was with Desmond Ritter when playing in Atlanta. Uh, and I don't want to play Kyle Pitts. So, Chris, we can we can move off Atlanta's offense there if you want to. From that standpoint, you good with that? That wraps it up. That you're okay with that? I'm just we we. I mean, I'm looking <laughs> at the matchup. It was like, yeah, you're playing Carolina's defense. It's going to be a great awesome, you know, great matchup for this offense. Finally, the running backs are going to eat, and then you don't get the ball to be Robinson, and you didn't get anybody the ball really. Well, the tight ends got 13 targets, I should say. So somebody yes. got targeted the ball. Yeah. Um, and then the, the scapegoat. In the sense, and, I, and that's not like I'm not gonna act like Desmond Ritter is playing well at all, but I feel like Desmond Ritter is definitely the scapegoat when you lost to Arizona, well, you lost to Carolina, and you managed to put up nine, what was it, six, seven points, seven points, yeah, uh, this past week. It's it's all obviously Arthur Smith is just coaching the offense and sucking the offense, I should say, out of this team piece by piece as much as he possibly can. Let's be clear here, uh, Desmond Ritter's a scapegoat for now. I know there hasn't been a clear-cut plan yet from Arthur Blank, but I have no doubt in my mind 
Smith's getting fired at the end of this year because at, at best, this will be the, what, the third, fourth year in a row that the Falcons are seven and 10 and miss the playoffs. Like, it's not going to continue right past this season. I really don't think it does. Uh, so hopefully we won't have to deal with that much longer. On the Colts side, there's a lot more positive things to talk about on the Colts side. I think we're getting Jonathan Taylor back. And if he's back, he's an RB7 for me. Uh, Zach Moss is banged up. Who knows if he's available? Even if he is, I don't really care. Remember, Taylor, it wasn't an ankle issue. It wasn't a soft tissue issue. It was a thumb issue. As long as he can hold on to the football, I don't see why he's not getting his full workload heading into this week against Atlanta. The Pittman situation, we have to see exactly how that plays out. Josh Downs, if Pittman does not play, becomes a flex-worthy wide receiver, especially in PPR leagues. Adam, did I leave anything out? Uh, the only thing I'll note, I, you mentioned with uh, Pittman that he was a limited participant, which makes you feel a little good. Uh, and the other thing to just add there is that, you know, with it being a Saturday game, going to a Sunday game, you get that extra day. So I know we haven't seen a lot of concussion players play, that kind of helps him like just a little bit to where maybe, maybe you make it feel a little bit more confident. So he's someone that I I'm fingers crossed. And I feel like the odds are in his favor to, to play, but that's all I got. So you're saying there's a chance. All right. With that, let's go ahead to our next match. <laughs> Seattle taking on Tennessee in this game. Geno Smith, to start off with the injury report, was a full participant in practice today. So it does look like we're finally going to get Geno Smith back after they took it all the way until 30 seconds before kickoff to decide who the quarterback was going to be on Monday. That was lovely. Uh, thank you guys for that, by the way. I got no props in because you wouldn't tell me who the freaking quarterback was going to be. Thanks for that. Um, anyway, on the, on the Tennessee side, also have quarterback issues. Will Levis comes down with a high ankle sprain. Didn't practice today. I frankly would be shocked if he did. I think we're going to see Ryan Tannehill this week. That would that would honestly be my assumption. Uh, who went out the high ankle sprain, by the way? Was that who? Went, who also went out with a high ankle sprain, by the way? Ryan Tannehill. Like yes, when he lost, lost, his lost his job the first originally. Oh, 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 I thought you were talking about last week. I was like, wait a minute, what? When he only wasn't on field. Oh, I got you. I got you. That's my bad. Uh, Seattle's favored in this game at minus two and a half with a 42 and a half over under. Being that the Titans have to turn back to Ryan Tannehill and Geno Smith does come back for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I do think Seattle, even on the road, which they haven't been great this year, but I do think they actually cover in this game at minus two and a half. Remember, this Titans offense was putrid with Ryan Tannehill back there. I can't see it really getting that much better uh, in this game against Seattle. Uh, Geno Smith, UCR, they kind of have him as a streamer at 14. Uh, other than a couple games here and there, Geno Smith's really not been good this year. I know it's a good matchup on paper. Not somebody I'm looking to stream this particular week. I do have Derrick Henry at RB11. Seattle is really bad against the run. So if Tennessee does commit to the run. I do think Derrick Henry should, in theory, have some room to work. I know it was brutal last week, but I would probably stick with it. This is worth noting. So uh, I didn't have this when I did my rankings. But Kenneth Walker did not practice today. Now, at Seattle, you never really know. And it's only a Wednesday practice. They're coming off the Monday night game. So I'm not raising all kind of red flags here. But it was with a new injury. It was a shoulder issue that he got listed with. It wasn't rest. It wasn't the oblique from before. It was a new injury to shoulder issue. So because of that, we are going to have to kind of monitor that. We'll get Brian Scott on, talk to him about that tomorrow. Uh, but if he's good to go, 
Adam, he looked like he reestablished himself over Zach Charbonnet last week. I mean, he had 79% of the carries, the Charbonnet 17%. Now, Charbonnet did run more routes and keeping in with that third down and long roll that he has gotten himself since coming to the team. But targets don't went Kenneth Walker's way. Overall opportunities did. Is this just Kenneth Walker's backfield now, assuming that he's healthy? Are you playing him with confidence? Yeah, I think so. Uh maybe you lose out on third downs here and there, but I don't think it's going to be much more than like you were getting from like when Travis Homer was stealing that or DJ Dallas. I think it's maybe a touch above that um, coming from Charbonnet, but that's about it. Um, at this juncture, it definitely seemed like um, you you were getting kind of what you wanted uh, with Kenneth Walker this past week and he, and he rewarded them for it. Yeah, he, he's a big reason why they were able to come back in that game. I have him ranked at RB23. Remember, the other thing with Tennessee Titans is that when Jeffrey Simmons doesn't play, it's not the same run defense, period. And he's out again this week in practice so far. Uh, there's Zach Charbonnet, though. He does fall out of the flex conversation because Kenneth Walker has reestablished himself in the first on the first and second down and the red zone basis. DK Metcalf comes in for a wide receiver nine for me this week. Should be no shocker there. DeAndre Hopkins. Talked about with Tannehill. It's been bad. It's been bad, Chris. He was no better than wide receiver 43 with Ryan Tannehill from weeks one through nine. Uh, I got him at wide receiver 33. ECR still has him at 22. Kind of like the Eckler thing. It's by name only, in my opinion. I don't think Hopkins should be pushed into your lineup. If you have another alternative, I know it's a match against Seattle. Would you play Hopkins this week? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's maybe like a you know, receiver three flex option. I think he's got a floor because you have seen the target share, even with Tannehill being the quarterback, while he didn't finish necessarily high, a lot of that was because he's been scoring touchdowns, but he was getting the volume. Um, so I think the volume is going to continue to be there. The problem that you're going to have is the big plays won't be there with Tannehill, and that's what kind of been things that, you know, kind of put the boom in Hopkins. So that's why I think he's a flex option receiver three, depending on something else. You know, I, I prefer the upside, but I think he's a safe play if you need somebody to have a safe in your lineup. Uh, the other Seattle receivers, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, the Jigbo, high-end wide receiver fours in my book. Look, DK Metcalf can get the big play, but these two are still eating each other at the targets, the intermediate area. There's just not a lot of upside to necessarily be had, and you have no idea which one's going to catch a touchdown that given week. JSN, of course, got it on Monday night, but it could just as easily be Tyler Lockett. We're not playing Chicka Conquo. Uh, anything else you guys want to add to this game? All right, let's move on. <laughs> We got an NFC North matchup here. Detroit taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Nothing on the Detroit side that we have to worry about from a fantasy perspective as far as the injury report goes. Alexander Madison still did not practice with an ankle issue. And it sounds like from Kevin O'Connell, even if he's back, this looks like it's going to be Ty Chandler's job. We'll get into that in just a second. Detroit is favored in this game at minus three and a half with a 46 and a half over under now Detroit has been very inconsistent this year on the road the Vikings defense in particular I think is very very underrated I actually like the Vikings to cover here I think Detroit only beats them by a field goal in this game so I'm going to take the Vikings and a bit of an underdog special to cover and keep this game really really close uh Jared Goff does come in as a low-end QB1 QB9 for me this week he should be able to get the ball out in theory quickly. You can see my confidence in it because he he's also had trouble against the Blitz. And that's something Minnesota is going to do a lot. 
of. Now, they just threw a couple of screens. Chris, we talk about this all the time. Offense didn't throw screens. That's the one thing Detroit's been kind of frustrating lately. I don't know why they're not throwing more screens with Jameer Gibbs. Like, it just doesn't really make sense to me. It takes some of that pressure off of Jared Goff, but we haven't seen that. No, I mean, in the receivers, too. I mean, Jamison Williams isn't just a guy who can run down the field. He can actually make people miss. He's pretty fast. Uh, you know, Peoples Jones can make some people miss. I think there's different guys that you can definitely feature. Even tight end screens you can utilize more often. I am very surprised. And it's something Jared Goff's pretty good at as well. Yeah, uh, Nick Mullins has some interest to me in DFS, guys, because he's really, really cheap. Going against the Detroit Lions secondary, it's been awful. He had over 300 yards passing last week, two touchdowns. I, I am at QB 15. I'm not playing him for playoff purposes necessarily because his name is Nick Mullins and he could crap the bet any day of the week. But uh, DFS-wise, eh, I actually have a little bit of interest here. You're playing the Detroit lo- running backs. That should become as no surprise. Uh my ranking here is going to update for Ty Chandler. Uh, right now, ECR's got him at 25. I got him at 32. It's more anticipation of there being a split between him and Madison. But if he is, in fact, going to be a starter, I probably will move him up closer to where ECR has him right now. Adam, in your opinion, should Chandler, and this is more of an NFL question, I guess, should Chandler be getting the start over Alexander Madison? Do you think he will dominate the touches if Madison's, in fact, active? Uh, he 1,000% should. Um, there's no, no doubt in my mind that he should, uh, get the nod over Madison, Madison. I mean, I, I said it in the off season. I've been saying it all season. There's nothing he does that impresses me. He's fine on third downs. I guess he's a, you know, decent pass catcher. He can pass block acceptably. Um, but that's about it. He has no juice running the ball in any capacity. Uh, Ty Chandler gave you that and he gave you your best game out of a running back this entire season. Um, I really do think he should get the start. Um, And even if Madison comes back, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he just has a third down role, even if they want to eventually move back to him being the starter. I can't imagine uh, that they would just immediately go back to his full workload with him coming off an injury and probably rushing back just because Minnesota needs the win. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you just said. I was skeptical going into last week with Ty Chandler because we had seen him get some opportunities in the past and and not produce as a result. And ultimately, I still think he's just kind of a quick-hitting back. I don't think he's really that special or anything. But after last week, I don't know how you turn back to Alexander Madison when you... Yeah, no, I, I agree with what I think you were getting about that with how inefficient on the ground Alexander Madison has been so far this year. Like, there, you just can't go back because you just saw what this offense can be. Uh, you know, if you have a good week on the ground, it, it's enough that a Nick Mullins can. Have I want to believe you guys. I I, I want to believe it too. I'm going to be really mad if I have to watch more Alexander Madison running between the tackles. I can accept it on third downs because I get it. Ty Chandler is probably not the best pass blocker in the world or even better than Madison, but anything else it should be in a world that makes sense. Ty Chandler. This is 2023 football though. So I don't know if it always does make sense, but that's fair enough. Sorry about the little hiccup there. Okay. So let's get to the wide receivers. We act, we got elite receiver players across the board here. Justin Jefferson returns my top three. I know it wasn't him last week. It was Jordan Addison who had the big game, but he had the targets. He looked good. He was able to stay healthy, and you got to love the matchup here against Detroit. Jordan Addison in the same breath. I got him as a top 24 receiver. I'm plugging and playing him. The, like, the one nice thing Nick Mullins came in and did was show, like, hey, you know what? 
I can throw the ball well enough in this offense to get Jefferson his volume, to get Addison his volume, and to even get TJ Hawkinson, who didn't have a big stat line, but get him his volume as well. So you got to feel good about that in a matchup like this across the board. On the Detroit side, Ahmad Ross St. Brown gets back off the snide after last week. Uh, Minnesota's been a little tough against the slot receivers, but he's obviously a wide receiver one. I do want to talk a little Jameson Williams, Chris, because you talked about him. I'm very interested in him in DFS because if you haven't been paying attention, Jameson Williams finally, finally is the starting receiver opposite of Amon Ross St. Brown. He finally outsnapped for the first time in his career, Josh Reynolds, to be that number two wide receiver. He also had seven targets to boot. Now, it wasn't efficient. He still got a long way to go to be redraft fantasy relevant, which is why we're not going to talk about him from that standpoint. I got him ranked at wide receiver 46, but DFS $3,700. I kind of like taking a shot right there. Do you think we see a big Jameson Williams game before this regular season is over? I hope so. I mean, I think the one thing that's been kind of lacking is the commitment to kind of involve him outside just the big play opportunities. I think that's what I've kind of been frustrated with. Um, I think that when we talk about the screen game or different things he can do, he can do crossers. He can do a lot of things that can kind of open up this offense. And I hope that they kind of incorporate him more. I do like they're kind of trusting him more with the playbook. I do think Danny's got a chance to have a big game just because other other players on this team you know, command so much attention. St. Brown's one of those guys that commands a lot of attention in the slot. Laporta commands a lot of attention, gives out of the backfield. So there's a lot of guys within about 10, 15 yards line of scrimmage who draw a lot of attention, which leaves a lot of one-on-one on the outside opportunities. So if Jared Goff pulls the trigger and actually completes some of these passes down the field, it could make some opportunities for James Williams to have a big game. Yep, trending on up. My top one and two tight ends, Salem Porta one, TJ Hawkinson two. You guys got any other notes you want to add to this game? All right, let's move on to our next match. <laughs> Woo, we got two terrible organizations taking on each other in this next one. The Washington Commanders taking on the New York Jets. I don't think Brian Robinson is going to play. We'll talk more about that with Brian Scott tomorrow, but he would, did not practice again today. And yeah, so no Brian Robinson, Adam. Um, we, talk, we saw Gibson last week. We saw Rodriguez a little bit. Are you touching anybody on this Washington backfield versus Jets defense this week? Probably not. Uh, it, it's tough. Um, I liked actually what I saw out of Rodriguez. I know he didn't have an efficient day on the ground, but he, he does look good running the ball and better than to me than Gibson. Um, but the volume is not there enough. The matchup's not good enough for me to be necessarily confident in him. Um, it, it, when he said, uh, you know, bad organizations, I almost thought Carolina and Against Carolina, someone like Rodriguez would, I think, be playable, but definitely not. Uh, this particular week, maybe uh, you go Gibson, but it, it seems as if they're going to go back to Howell, which makes me not necessarily want to trust uh, the passing game, and that's really what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, Ron Rivera did announce that Howell will be the starter this week. Right. Why? Why? That's literally my first note for us to talk about. Why is he the starter? You put in Jacoby Brissett. You damn near had a comeback in the fourth quarter against the Rams last week. Just going to Brissett. The offense came to life. Terry McLaurin was catching bombs. Curtis Samuel still did his thing. 
why you're you're getting fired anyway like why are we playing sam Howell? this makes no sense and i don't think sam Howell makes it through the entire game by the way so if you're sitting there thinking to yourself because you had sam Howell in your fantasy run and he somehow survived last week and you're like okay well maybe i don't have to pick up another quarterback you're wrong you need to pick up somebody else because it could just as easily be jacoby percent again at some point during this game just why somebody want to give me a shot as to why my guess, Dan, is that Ron Rivera is playing good company man role in a sense, and he's eating it. And Sam Howell still hasn't got kind of evaluated to be the future. Washington's going to have a top pick. They're going to be an option for them to select a quarterback in this draft. So they're going to try to evaluate is Sam Howell that guy. And I think that's where they know. I know Jacoby Brissett is not that guy next year for them. So they're going to determine is Sam Howell the guy to keep, you know, or do they use a draft pick, draft capital this year to get one? Spoiler. That might even be giving a lot of credit to Rivera. It could just yeah. be as simple as I was protecting Howell when I benched him. That was the decision I made at that very moment, and I'm sticking with that decision rather than reacting to the new information I got when Brissett lit it up afterwards. It's 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 stupid. It's dumb. I don't want to see it. I feel bad for Terry McLaurin and frankly everybody else on that offense because it's so terrible. And uh, spoiler alert: you're going to be using that pick on a top quarterback next year. It ain't Sam Howell. He is not the freaking answer. Can we just call it a day? Uh, by the way, so to get back to this game, the Jets. I didn't say it was smart. I'm just saying that. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I'm not. I, I, I know. I know you weren't defending it. Uh, you're just giving a reason as to why they might be thinking. It just it's dumb. And that this is why they're bad organizations. Speaking of Jets, Zach Wilson, he's dealing with concussion issue. We'll see how that goes. He did not practice today, so that's not a step. Good job, the- Zach. Shut it down like we told you for the season. You had your good game. You're done. Did he don't shut it down fast franchise. enough, though? I don't know if he shut it down fast enough because he well, was starting with terrible get. His mom got some good PR in. He was like, well, he was trying to play through it, but once he started losing his peripheral vision, he was getting real dizzy. He just said, coach, I can't do it anymore. So it, it's a good PR story after that to kind of cover up the bad plays. Like, look, I couldn't see straight. And, <laughs> my and my the, the on that, Dan, was gone. <laughs> once, once we saw Trevor Simeon, it was like, Ooh, is Zach Wilson really that bad? Because I think a lot of people all of a sudden were like, uh, can we get Zach back? Well, let's stay on that conversation real fast. Because here's my problem. Without Zach Wilson, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson are were not able to produce any better than wide receiver three, RB three, flex plays, essentially. I know we have a fantastic matchup coming up against the commanders. And I find myself looking at Hall, Looking at Garrett Wilson, I have Hall ranked at RB24, thinking I was probably going to move him down a spot or two. Wilson doesn't play. I've got Garrett Wilson already ranked at wide receiver 27. I mean, are these guys, are, are they even must plays in your lineup this week if Zach Wilson doesn't play? Adam, Chris, whoever. I think that they are, well, I'll, I'll split them in two. I think that Garrett Wilson's a must play just because we've seen everybody complete passes versus Washington secondary this entire year. It hemorrhages yards just by stepping on the field. Brees Hall's a nice play. I do have a concern because it's not necessarily as easy to run versus Washington. And if he's not catching the ball out of the backfield, which he's not necessarily, you know, was as involved with last week, um, we haven't really seen him be able to do anything with the ball, getting him handed the ball. We know LaFleur loves to forget about having running backs and running the ball as it, as it works. Nathaniel Hackett, but same thing. Yeah, I'm, sure. more, I'm more with Wilson, definitely. Halls, to me, is a guy that if I'm looking for an upside flex option, I put in my lineup, but I'm not necessarily you know forcing him into my lineup. Yeah, it's, it's a sad commentary. 
Uh, I'll add one more stipulation here, Chris. I think Israel Bonaconda is going to get more run than people realize this week. I think that's gonna. I, th- I think that's actually going to be a thing. Now, I'm not saying in the sense that like this becomes a 50-50 committee between him and Brees Hall, but is it like a Joe Mixon Chase Brown type of situation? I think it could be, just not nearly as successful. So I'd be worried about that too. Frankly, it's is yeah, it's a sad situation right now that we need Zach Wilson to make these guys, these great players, fantasy relevant because that's how horrible it is. I do agree. Your snaps is on Garrett Wilson though; he probably would be my flex no matter what. Uh, getting back to the line on this game because I keep going past it because there's just so many storylines that make us so angry when it comes to these players. Uh, the Jets somehow are favored my, minus three with Trevor Simeon, and uh, the over unders at thirty eight. I would have loved this. If it was Jacoby Brissett, but even with Sam Howell, because how bad Trevor Simeon is, I'm gonna hold my nose for this one. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take an underdog special and say that Washington does cover, but it's gonna be the worst game in the world. Because <laughs> here's the other thing I want to add to this, and, and, and you know, Dolphins are a very good offense, so you know, take that for what it is. I saw a Jets defense that looked like it no longer wants to play for Robert Sala because they're just so. So, or, may, or maybe it's just they don't, it's the offense keeping them on the field the whole time. But it looked like a defense that had, didn't have much interest in being out there anymore. So, as good as the defense as they are, I worry about that a little bit. And that's the other reason why I take the underdog pick here. Uh, anybody want you want to comment to that? Anybody? Uh, just that I think that we watched the other team. I don't think they wanted to play for the entire, the whole team didn't want to play for their coach last the following, you know, previous week either. Well, so they I did. It's when Tony Brissett came in the game. And then Brissett sparked them. They seem like they wanted to play. I'm I'm counting on Brissett coming in. And out. then they benched them. And then and now they're back to <laughs> all that. Brissett's going to come in. Brissett's going to come in at halftime. That's what's going to save the day. Uh, and so was, how was like a, a you know a fantasy darling? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, no, yeah, a fantasy darling, sure. But he was never a good NFL quarterback. Let's let's be clear about it. Nobody was making the mistake of thinking Sam Howe was playing well from an NFL standpoint. At no, absolutely. I just think it's it's great that we're like sitting here, you know, Sam Howell is like a guy that people are trying to add to the thing for, you know, playoff pushes. And now we're in the playoffs and we're like, the whole Washington offense, can we touch any of it? <laughs> and then the Jets, the same thing. We couldn't touch it all year, but now even their defense could be bad. And to your point, Dan, you held your nose. I, this is a game you could not hold a gun to my head to that on because I have no idea <laughs> who's playing for who or what in this game because I don't think there's a lot going on for both sidelines. No, I agree. Aaron Rodgers is going to call the play. It's going to be the difference. That's a chance. That'll make some more exciting, but then Charles is executing his place. Uh, I know you guys touched on a little bit with Gibson and Rodriguez. I agreed with your breakdown. I'm not playing either one of these guys, regardless of the Brian Robinson availability. And I'll add another thing to that. Jonathan Williams, he's dealing with concussion, yes, but they didn't they didn't turn this to just Gibson and Rodriguez. They brought Jonathan Williams in. He played 22% of the snaps. He was significantly involved. They basically made this a three-man committee. So they're not even committed to these two Full guys. Eric the enemy. Yeah, when Brian Robinson's out. So like, I'm not playing these guys at all. Uh, yeah, I don't have any other notes for this game. Uh, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver three. You play Curtis Samuel, Dan. I think that's the big one. It's, you know, the receivers you're talking about right now, Washington receivers, McLaurin, Samuel. Have you played any of those? Well, how about you, Adam? What do you think? Are you playing McLaurin or Samuel this week? Not this week. I don't think the score is going to get pushed enough uh, for, for him to get his volume. Uh, the way you'd want it to. If this is a matchup where I'm like confidently, you know, betting on, you know, the other team, say like 
minus double digits, you know, like I, I think they're going to get kind of beat up on, then I would absolutely be in on Curtis Samuel. But I just don't have the confidence to say that this isn't going to be like a 10-10 game uh, where they're just content running the ball back and forth, punting back and forth and, and getting out with neither coach being embarrassed too much. Uh, <laughs> so to that point real quick, do you have any interest in playing one of these tight ends as a flyer, whether it's Conklin or Logan Thomas? If I'm real, real desperate, Logan Thomas, but I think there's better options out there. I don't trust Conklin, especially without back Yeah, um, I have Terry McLaurin ranked as wide receiver three. I am. I know Curtis Samuel lately has been the quote-unquote more dependable receiver. I think the touchdowns are still fluky. And this is uh, the Jets defense. Look, even if they're quitting, it's still a good defense on paper. And this is not a situation I want to touch. Uh, I, I'd have to hold my nose to make Terry McLaurin a flex play at this point, especially in a matchup like this. And Sam Howell hasn't even been getting him the ball. Curtis Samuels is still usage wise, a wide receiver four, in my opinion. Uh, this is, I don't want to have to use him if I, if I can have a whole help it to use Adam's word. If I'm desperate, if I'm desperate, you can maybe go a Curtis Samuel direction, but I'd have to be very, very desperate uh, to do that. I definitely would not play either one of the tight ends. Even if I was desperate, I'm not touching either one of these guys. I have Logan Thomas ranked at tight end 21, Conklin ranked at tight end 24. Uh, so I'm definitely not touching any of them. Any other notes to this game, guys? All right. You think the Green Bay Packers are going to blow it like the Falcons? What was that? So how depressing was that the Washington and the Jets is like, oh my God, this is yay football. Fold Sorry. it and throw it away. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think the Packers are going to blow it like the Falcons did. I don't think they will. Uh, they are taking on the Carolina Panthers in this game. AJ Dillon still dealing with a thumb issue. Very questionable. Jaden Reed, Christian Watson, both did not practice today. Jaden Reed with a toe. Christian Watson still dealing with the hamstring. I doubt we see Watson. Jaden Reed is going to be something we have to watch. And we'll talk about tomorrow with Brian Scott at 930 on our YouTube channel. The Green Bay Packers come into this game as minus four and a half favorites and a 36 and a half over under. They should. They should. After the Falcons game, I feel less confident now for some reason. The way the Packers have played lately, I feel less confident. But they should cover against the Carolina team that's been 0-4 when 4.5 underdogs or more. So I am going to take the Packers to cover in this one. That's what should happen. Jordan Love, ECR's got him ranked as a QB 13. I got him a QB 19. Basically, I'm the opposite on Jordan Love and Jake Browning as the ECR is essentially what it boils down to. Carolina has been a really tough matchup for quarterbacks. And it's not, I'm tired of hearing the excuse that their defense isn't really good. They just give up a lot of runs. And that's because that's why the quarterbacks and receivers are so bad. That's only true to a degree. Their defense has generally been good against quarterbacks and wide receivers. This is not just a situation. This is not like the Houston Texans years ago where everybody just ran so well against them that, you know, all the numbers for the quarterbacks and receivers look bad. They actually generally have good secondary players and have covered well this season. So I don't want to, I don't like that narrative at all. I don't think that's true. And that's why I don't like Jordan Love in this matchup. Do you guys agree? Disagree? 100% agree, Dan. I think this, I mean, you're talking about Green Bay covering this game to me, Carolina matches up well. Green Bay's warts in a lot of ways. <laughs> we'll slow down, clip that up. Carolina matches up well. We need to clip that. And put, sorry, go ahead. This is, that was funny. <laughs> no, with Green Bay's warts. As I think that's the thing. Green Bay, the things that we kind of have questions about, their run defense isn't very good. Their offense isn't ex- doesn't execute. 
You talked about Carolina defense has a pretty good pass rush, pretty good, you know, pretty good corners. I don't think Jordan Love's going to be a top play this week, and I do have some concerns about Green Bay moving the ball in general versus defense. The who? The her. Here's my winner for this game, no matter what. It's Chuba Hubbard. I got him ranked at RB15 this week. It's a great match against the Green Bay Packers. They've allowed the ninth most fantasy points to the running backs. And I love I like some props this week too for him. 67 and a half rushing yard props. Love that this week. Uh to cash on the over. He's had 24 or more opportunities the last three games in a row and believe it or not it's not it, it, this extends past his past streak here since week nine he's been an rb2 or better in all but one game like chuba hubbard's a lock him in in your lineups adam we agree yeah I, he gets a ton of opportunity uh he, he's like they are kind of one of those teams that when they shifted to the new coach is just trying to simplify i think a little bit we've got run one running back that we use uh, you know, maybe we use both Thielen and Mingo, but that's about it there. And, and and that's it. Like the whole, I think, thing is built around, like, let's make this at least a little bit less embarrassing for Bryce Young. Like, I think that's their only objective rest of the season. Um, and, and yeah, I think part of that is run the hell out of the damn football because you're certainly not going to hide him passing the ball, uh, especially with the situation around him. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Hubbard is a massive part of what this offense is doing. Yeah. Hubbard, uh, lock him in. Lock, good, Chris. I was going to say, and give him some credit. He's played really well. and probably the only offensive player in this entire team that's been really good this entire season. Yeah. 100%. Uh, despite what happened last week, Carolina's still really bad against the run. I do have Aaron Jones, who I expect to play a little bit more than he did last week. And he played more than we expected him to because we had that quote from Matt LaFleur saying he's only going to play 15 to 20 snaps. He played 20 <laughs> Uh, Aaron Jones, I do have him at RB17 this week. I don't want to play AJ Dillon, even if he is active with the thumb issue. I got him all the way down at RB44. I'm not going there, but I do think Aaron Jones should be an RB2 against Carolina this upcoming week. Uh, Jaden Reed, don't know if he's going to play. Kind of that flex situation. The guy I'm interested in a little bit here, Chris, Dontavian Wicks. Uh, this again, this is a tough matchup, and I, I don't really want to play him unless I have to, but he might move into my top 36 or close to that wide receiver three flex territory if Jaden Reed's going to be out because he might be the number one target left at that point, and he's the one guy who can give you a big play. Uh, he had a team high 19% target share last week. When Reed went down, he was the wide receiver one. So any part of you going to take a shot on Dontavian Wicks if Jaden Reed's out next week? Yeah, I'm really, really trying to avoid that at all costs. And I, I know they had a decent week last week, but I think, you know, guessing with these Green Bay, who's going to be involved in this Green Bay passing attack week to week is like reading tea leaves. I'm not going to get too excited about it, especially versus the Carolina defense you talked about. It's not as bad versus the pass defense people expected it to be. I, uh, if Reed's out, I might be, you know, sniffing it, especially DFS possibility. But in playoff time right now, I'm not trying to you know get cute. Yeah, that's that's the key, man. We just we don't want to get cute in our playoff matchups. We really don't. Even if we're not super enthralled with matchups necessarily with some of our tweener players, this is this is really where I kind of hanker down and try to go with volume as much as possible because I want to take the guesswork out of it as much as possible when we're talking about fantasy football playoff matchups as much as we can anyway. Uh, Adam Thielen, wide receiver four for me. I don't want to play him. I don't want to play anybody in Carolina not named Chuba Hubbard, quite frankly. Uh, Adam, you rolling the dice on Tucker Craft, or are you going to kind of stay away from that situation too? 
I'm staying away from that situation personally. It just it it doesn't feel sustainable to me. I just real quick to that point, he's second in since week twelve and tight end targets in the red zone with five, only behind Sam Laporta. No, and that's an excellent stat. And Carolina's been kind of rough against tight ends too, though. That's that's kind of goes back to the whole thing. I don't think Jordan Love plays that well. I think if you get a touchdown, it would be more luck rather than process in this situation. That's just that's just me. Uh, any other notes in this game you guys want to get to? All right, let's move on. Cleveland, Houston. Man, I wish C.J. Stroud was going to play. Sorry to hate burst your bubble, guys. It ain't going to happen. They're reporting he's still having a lot of symptoms. Really unfortunate. Hopefully he's back next week if you somehow made it that far without him. Uh, Nico Collins did come back to practice in a limited fashion, though, so that starts to bode a little bit better for him. And we're not really worried about anybody on the Brown side when it comes to injuries. Houston, right now, even with even with the announcement that it's going to be Case Keenum against this Cleveland Browns team, is uh, favored at minus two and a half with a 42 and a half over under. And furthermore, Houston has been one and four against the spread this year as 2.5 favorites or more. Meanwhile, Cleveland, as 2.5 underdogs, have been three and one against the spread. I think you know where I'm going with this. Underdog special. Cleveland wins this game outright in Houston with Case Keenum at the quarterback position. One of my big values on the week. Joe Flacco, borderline streamer, like him more in DFS because it doesn't really matter if he throws interceptions. This is Joe Flacco's offense. Remember when Kevin Stefanski was a run-first guy? Well, between some of the injuries on the offensive line, the backs is not performing well. This, this is a pass-first offense now with Flacco just slinging it all over the field. So I do kind of like him a little bit in, in DFS. Redraft leagues, though, I think you have better options, more sustainable options to go with. I know. And Adam, you can help me out with this. I, I know, technically speaking, he's finished in the top 12 the past few weeks. But this is one of those situations, kind of like Chris alluded to, I don't want to get too cute here. All right? I don't want to get too cute here. It's not a good, it's not a great matchup for passing attacks against Houston right now the, with Stingley playing as well as he is. Uh, but would you just say, hey, you know what? He's hot. I mean, would you roll with Flacco? Situational. Uh, I, I think he's on my list. He's not like one of those guys that's a bottom feeder and it's like, I'm just going to chalk the position before I play. Um, but yeah, I have to be pushed to do it. He's outside of my top 12. Um, you know, I, I've been in leagues this year, uh, you know, where guys, as we're getting late in the season, uh, they're, they feel confident in their starting lineup are just kind of sucking up quarterbacks, getting them on their bench. Uh, and Flacco is one of those guys that, you know, if, if I'm in a league and, you know, nobody in my top 15 is available, he's probably right up, right up there next. Uh, he's thrown 40-plus pass attempts three straight weeks, and that's got to count for something, even if it doesn't always look pretty like it certainly did not this past week. But you got to do what you got to do. Got to do what you got to do. Love it. Uh, Jerome Ford, he's a flex-worthy play. That's about it. It has not been an efficiency for him anywhere. And Houston has shown you uh, not a great defense for running backs right now. They've been kind of shutting it down. Chris, let's talk a little Devin Singletary because I'm going to head on the ECR on this one. They got him at 28. I don't think he's a flex play anymore. I think he is an RB2. I got him as a top 20 running back this week. I think in some ways, Case Keenum actually helps because there's more dump-off opportunities with Keenum. And I think with Keenum back there, 
it leads the Texans to lean on their playmakers more, meaning Devin Singletary will get leaned on more just like he did last week. He had 75% of the snaps. That's the highest he has had all season with a healthy and active Damian Pierce, just a little bit behind what we saw, the 80% snaps that he was getting when Pierce was out in the middle of the season for those few games. And I just, I don't, I don't see why Devin Singletary would not lead this. So my first question to you is, in your opinion, do you think Devin Singletary has a stronghold now on this backfield? Or are you still worried about Damian Pierce making a return appearance on a return appearance <laughs> this season? Yeah, well, that, I mean, we asked this question two weeks ago on the show, and that was kind of where we were standing at that point as well. You know, we had just all come out off of Singletary, had a nice run. Pierce comes back and suddenly gets rotated in and becomes the guy. And then the following weeks, now it's Singletary again. I'm with you, Dan. I think Case Keenum being the quarterback is more advantageous to have Singletary back there. I am a little bit curious with the return of Nico Collins if that's going to affect Singletary's usage because, as you kind of alluded to, he was heavily involved in the passing attack last week. Now, part of that was Keenum. Part of that's who else he throwing the ball to. So I am kind of a little interested to see if Nico Collins kind of eats into some of the opportunities. But I do think overall I'm trusting Singletary. I do think he's the guy. I also have more of a gut feeling on this one in the sense where I think it's the matchup of Singletary versus, you know, defense. I think he's the guy who can kind of take advantage of the most of anybody else on that Houston team. So I do think he's a, a good play this week over Pierce for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, that tends to be where I'm at. And just to add to that matchup, because people are looking at Cleveland, they're saying, oh, it's a tough matchup on paper. Cleveland's not the same defense on the road as they are at home, especially against uh, running backs. I mean, last three games, they've had RB29 or better against them. And that was Gus Edwards was an RB29 that week. We know his involvement is very limited as if he doesn't score a touchdown. Javante Williams, who hasn't been great, was an RB26. And of course, Kyron had an RB9 performance against them. All these are the last three road games for Cleveland. So running backs having success, fantasy-worthy success against Cleveland on when Cleveland is on the road. Uh, so I'm not really too worried about the matchup here either for Devin Singletary. We don't care about Hunt or Pierce, of course. Nico Collins, if he does play, obviously Case Keenum's not the quarterback that I want to see. He does crack my top 36. He comes in at wide receiver 35. He does pretty good against man. That's mostly what Cleveland plays. So I'm going to give him a puncher's chance as a flex play. I, I have Noah Brown ranked slightly ahead still of Nico Collins, Adam. One, Nico, Nico Collins coming off the calf issue. I think it's a highly re-aggravatable issue being that he's already had that issue before came back on it i'm a little surprised there's even a chance he comes back this week frankly right now especially with cj Stroud not going to be out there i figure they wait an extra week to get him 100 healthy but keenum already showed you he's got a rapport with noah brown giving 32 percent of the team target share last week so i got brown as a mid-level wide receiver three would you have brown or nico collins higher you know assuming they're both active I think I'd have Brown a touch higher, and I know kind of similar to you, uh, but I, I, I know most people would probably scoff at that just given that we've seen a really good Nico Collins this year. Uh, and the reasoning that I'm coming from, and part of it is what you just said, that I, I think the rapport this past weekend looked really good. Uh, but part of it for me is just, just thinking through it a, a bit logically. Okay, why could that be? Um, you know, Wide receiver four was he was a uh, Noah Brown coming into the year, right? Woods was ahead of him to start the year. And with that, he's going to have gotten a lot more work with the backup quarterbacks with the second and third teams of the offense uh, earlier on. So we've only seen case Keenum kind of be able to 
build get reps with uh you know with Nico Collins very little uh in practice and you know maybe back in camp they got like a little bit but not like a lot uh versus you know Noah Brown early on in the season um and you know through uh, you know, preseason training camp, like they would have been actually working together a fair bit. So I, I do believe there is some rapport there. And it's not just he was the only guy I could throw to. No, I think it's a fair point. We've seen that at times before when backup quarterbacks have come in, they don't sometimes don't go to the guy who thought would be the number one in the offense. They go to the guy that they were already kind of familiar with. So um, I, I like that too, to kind of back up my point. Chris, you want to weigh in here? Are you Nico Collins or Noah, Noah Brown? I go with Noah Brown. Uh, kind of to, to your point, I'm not on the chemistry necessarily. I think is the difference. Um, I think more so is just the the matchup for Case Keenum, what he's able to do well versus what Nico Collins does well. Nico Collins is a good guy who can push the ball down the field. If you're going to make that 15 to 20 yard pass down the field, which you know CJ Stroud's been awesome at, then he's going to be able to feast off of that. Noah Brown's going to be the, the dirty route. He's going to you know get those quick little five seven yards. He's going to go between the linebackers, take the hits. So I think the routes he runs and the kind of things that he does. There's more, you know, fits Case Keenum's skill set a lot better than Nico Collins. I like that too. Uh, I do love David Njoku. He's been on fire with Joe Flacco, man. I got him a tight end four this upcoming week, and tight ends have been able to take advantage against the Houston defense so far this year. Dalton Schultz only coming in for me at a tight end 14. High end tight end two if you got him. Not too terrible, but I don't have him as a top 12 play this week. You guys have any other notes to this game? All right, let's move on. Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, the Battle of Florida. Jacksonville going to Tampa Bay in this game. Unfortunately, there's going to be a lot up in the air when we talk about this one because Trevor Lawrence, we don't know if he's going to play. He comes down with a concussion issue after the game late Sunday night. Did not practice today. I don't usually like that when it comes to guys' odds for coming back. I will say this. If he's able to come back in a limited participation tomorrow, he'll still have a decent shot. But if he doesn't, I don't know if we're going to see Trevor Lawrence this week. And I know he's found ways when we've doubted him before to get on the field, but concussions are a different animal when it comes to these things. Zay Jones dealing with the hamstring injury. He did not practice. I would be shocked because considering how many soft tissue injuries he has had, that he's going to be able to come back this week. So I'm not really expecting to see Zay Jones this particular week. Tampa Bay is favorite in this game at minus one and a half with an over under of 43 and a half. There's no bet to have here. Until we know whether or not Trevor Lawrence is playing, there's no reason to put your money down in this game. That's just the simple truth of it. Uh, Moving on from that, if Lawrence does play, I do have him as a QB8 this week. It's a matchup against Tampa Bay. We do, in fact, like. Adam, let me ask you this. I don't have Baker Mayfield as a top 12 quarterback. ECR does, though. I know he had his best game last week. The numbers were all there. It looked fantastic. And I know the week before he had the rushing touchdowns. I think he finished technically in the top 12 the week before that, too. So he's technically on a two-game hot streak here. Before that, we're talking about a guy who's a low in QB2 most weeks. Are you really going to roll in the next week with the idea that Baker Mayfield can be a top 12 quarterback against the Jacksonville Jaguars this week and actually play him as such? I think he's on the fringes. I don't know if he's necessarily a top 12, but I think he's like the first guy off the board once you get, you know, out of that position. Um, you know, if you're looking for a streaming option, I think he's like your best bet, uh, like in, in your 13, 14 type of range. Uh, I, I think the matchup's pretty good. 
Um, you know, obviously Mike Evans has had a hell of a year, but Chris Godwin's also stepped it up recently. And I think that's part of uh, why you've seen him kind of come on the last couple weeks. Uh, and, and then just past that, this is a game that Tampa Bay needs needs. Um, and of course, with the quarterback situation on the other side, also missing Jay, Zay Jones, I think they've got a, a good shot to be kind of the, the leaders here. Yeah, there's no way. I'm not going to check Baker Mayfield playoffs. No way. I will. I will never do it. It won't happen. Sorry. Can I just jump in real quick on that one, Dan? Yeah. I will say, you know, Jacksonville is definitely a, a run, a pass funnel team. Um, and then you've seen a lot of teams doing, you know, be able to exploit that. As to Adam's point, it is a good matchup. Yeah. So I think Baker is a guy that you can definitely consider. But I'm more inclined to play him if Trevor Lawrence plays. I agree. If Trevor Lawrence does not play, then I would not want to play Baker Mayfield because I think the chance of the shootout opportunity that you're looking for which you've kind of been living off the last couple of weeks as dan alluded to his finishes that's what you kind of need to unfold for that to happen 100 agree you need the shootout opportunities if tampa bay can just control this game baker won't do more than he absolutely has to we've seen that time and time again that's why he's been mostly a low-end qb too so i'm with you chris if trevor lawrence plays then maybe baker mayfield comes up in my rankings be as a streaming option hey maybe uh rashad white's a top five running back this week no matter what travis Etienne. Look, Etienne hasn't looked great, let's be honest. But whether Lawrence plays or not, he's the one Jacksonville Jaguar I feel okay about because, well, the volume's been there. And he's got to be considered an RB2 at the very least. Even in a matchup where against Tampa Bay, it does sound like they're getting a lot of their defensive pieces back this week. It doesn't matter. Volume is king, and I think he just he has to but be an RB2. Thank you for at least making him you know, running back two where ECR hasn't bored like RB1 right now, and he hasn't been that for you know, a long time. Yeah, well, they've had him in RB1 for forever, and yet it just it has not been efficient for Travis Etienne. And I would go as far as to say this. I don't know if he's a guy who can really handle a full workload over an entire season. I know he's managed to stay healthy, which is good for him, because that, that's, that's a feed in of himself for the running backs, and it shouldn't go overlooked. But he's gotten less and less efficient as the season wore on. Very, very similar to last year, where he got less and less efficient as the season wore on. I think he's a guy who would be much better, much more efficient, much more productive if he gets somebody he can pair with and be kind of more of the home run hitter. That's what he was designed to be. Uh, so I'd be curious to see if we don't wind up seeing Jacksonville add somebody to that mix next season. Remember, Peterson usually has a history of rotating running backs. Sticking with one guy has not necessarily been his history before getting to Jacksonville. So I'm going to put that out there for next year. Uh, Mike Evans, to lock him in, wide receiver one. Calvin Ridley, if Trevor Lawrence plays, is a wide receiver two for me. If not, more of a flex situation in my book, regardless of Zay Jones' activity. Chris, was Chris Godwin, was that a one-off last week, or do you think Chris Godwin's on to something here the last couple of weeks of your fantasy football playoffs? Yeah, I mean, back-to-back weeks, you've seen double-digit targets. It's been you know something that you definitely have to take notice of. Um, I, I think this is a good matchup. You, you, a guy that you think should be featured in this offense. My concern, Dan, is the upside, though. You know, he doesn't score touchdowns. We got his first one about a couple, you know, two weeks ago, I think it was. He got the 100 yards, but it hasn't really been common either going over the 100 yard mark either. So I think this is a guy who has a very low ceiling. Um, I think he's got a solid floor, but isn't a guy necessarily I, I have to have in my lineup if I have better options. 
AKA he's a wide receiver three, AKA I have him ranked at wide receiver 33 this particular week. Evan Ingram, again, if Trevor Lawrence plays, I got him as a top six tight end. Tampa Bay has been very bad, even when healthy against the tight ends this year. So you do love the matchup there for him and his touchdown possibility, especially the target volume he might see uh, with Zay Jones potentially out of the lineup. If CJ right. Ford plays, he still is a top 12 tight end, but with a much lower ceiling. Go ahead, Chris, you're going to say. And that's going to say, I would knock him too much first if Beth, you know, CJ plays either because he likes the tight ends as well yeah I, I do agree with that uh we're not playing kate on any other notes you guys want to add to this game all right let's move on <laughs> chris i don't know about you but this arizona chicago game uh this is my domination defense of the week that i got going on because uh, I'm loving what Chicago, first of all, has been able to do. Adam and I, we got to watch the games together on Sunday. We were having this conversation. I don't know when it happened. All like the Bears trade for Montez Sweat to become defensive world beaters, like the Chicago defense of like the early 2000s. It's insane what they've been doing with the sacks and the turnovers. Uh, and then you add the fact that Arizona uh, is not good right now. <laughs> I know they put up 29 against San Francisco. Here, here's what I want to say about that because people are reading into that too much. Uh, the entire interior starting defensive line for San Francisco is out for that game. And if you take away the running game for the Cardinals, you have no Marquise Brown. Your only weapon becomes Trey McBride at that point. And Kyler Murray's look bad. Love Chicago's defense this week. Just want to put that out there. Uh, Arizona, Marquise Brown, like I talked about that, he did not practice today. Honestly, wouldn't be surprised we didn't see him at all this upcoming week. The Bears are favored in this game at home at minus four and a half with a 44 over under flat not even a half a point just 44 over under here like i pointed out they've been playing really good defense the cardinals are lacking firepower they're on the road in cold chicago coming from arizona taking the bears to cover actually at a minus four and a half i think they finally pull off a w and don't cave like they have been so often over the past few weeks justin fields have him as a top five quarterback this week because of his rushing ability i believe he will have available to him against the cardinals in this one and even Murray, as bad as it's been for Murray, whether it's garbage time or whether it's because of his legs, he still has been like that low-end QB1. I do have him as a QB12 coming into this one. I did talk about this a little bit at the onset because Chicago has been really tough against running backs early uh, as of the last like six weeks here. James Conner is only an RB3 for me, Adam, coming into this game. He only had 47% of the snaps, which that was a season low when healthy last week. He's got 8% of the target, which is 8% split between him, Carter, and Demarcado. They all got 8% of the targets last week. Demarcado or Carter playing more on passing downs. I don't know. Is James Conner an RB2 for you? No, maybe he sneaks in like at 24, but that would be the most of it. I I, I don't think he's someone that I want to play as my RB2. Maybe as a flex, there's much worse options, um, especially given their propensity the last few weeks to get in the end zone garbage time. Um, They've been one of those teams that it seems like every time they're down, someone fantasy relevant gets in the end zone. Um, so, so that goes for him a little bit, but definitely not like confident in starting him and uh, my one of my top two spots. Okay, so we're on the same page. I wanted to make the point to point that out because ECR's got him as a, a, an RB two, and and look, I get it on paper. You know, the Bears give up the thirteenth most fancy points to the running backs, but 
again, look at this. Over the last four weeks, no, I'm sorry, six weeks, the Bears have only allowed two teams to go over 100 yards rushing. Not player, two teams to go over 100 yards rushing. Both of those were Detroit, who we know they live and die by the running game with Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Other than that, they've held everybody under 100 yards rushing team, not even players, team. Uh, so I just want to kind of lay that out that the, the on paper here, it's a little deceiving when it comes to this Bears defense right now. Chris, it's a great matchup for running backs against Arizona, but are you trusting any Chicago running back? If I have very limited options, I might try to get Foreman as a flex option in my lineup because of the potential of just falling into the end zone a couple of times. Of the matchups, this game you know, matches up well for. I do agree with you. I think Chicago should win this game. I think it's going to be hard for Arizona to travel to Chicago, playing in the cold weather. Foreman, once again, a big back, playing in cold weather versus a team doesn't have a whole lot to play for. I like that combination as a upside you know, play for flex, but I'm not telling guys you know, I'm going to necessarily play confidently in my lineups. Yeah, I mean, I have Foreman ranked the highest at RB39. I got Roshan only two spots behind him at RB41 because you have this dilemma right here, right? First of all, it's still a three-man committee as far as snaps go, and it was horrible for Foreman last week. I know, six carries, negative six yards. It's hard to get over. I get it. And Roshan played a little bit better and played a little bit more last week. You have that dilemma of if Chicago ever decided to go young, and they could decide to do that any given week, and Roshan being the better running back last week, you could say, hey, Roshan, Go ahead, take the lead here and look good. But we also know they can't quit Foreman. For whatever reason, they can't quit Foreman. So, as a result, Foreman, I think I'm with you. He he does have that upside heading into this game against Arizona. Bryce, by the way, yeah, you can ask a fantasy football question. Shoot, my man. Uh, yeah, so Chris, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I think the upside is with Foreman, but it is very, very, very risky. And that's something I don't want to do unless I absolutely have to in my fantasy football playoffs. DJ Moore is a top 10 receiver for me this week. And I don't care about any of the receivers. Even without Marquise Brown, this is not a good situation for a Greg George, even in a PPR league or, Mar- or, or, Mar- or Michael Wilson. The only guy I care about is Trey McBride, who I do have his top three tight end. Had 10 catches for 100 yards last week. He's just been awesome. He's getting all kinds of volume. He's like as safe as they come as far as tight ends go. To that point real quick, Dan, we saw Higgins play tight end and get a lot of snaps last week. You know, it's the other tight end, 44% of the snaps. This team is just looking to get the ball to anybody right now because how untalented that receiver core right? as you kind of alluded to it, it really is. And the only guy who's really good is Trey McBride. So that, as we have every every reason in the world to think Trey McBride is going to be involved in this game. Uh-huh. Colt Komet's still a top 10 tight end for me this week too, by the way. He's been playing pretty well. This is a good matchup for him. Uh, too. I think we got a question coming in here from Bryce facing CMC, Rashad White, AJ, Amon Ra, Waller, Justin Fields. Yep, that's a lot of firepower. Need some help deciding. Probably the highest ceiling players available. Well, shoot us those players that you're deciding between. Unless that is his line. Am I reading this wrong, guys? Is no, that- I think you're right. Okay. Yeah, shoot us that question on the next on the flippity flop because we're going to get to our next matchup here. The Cowboys, the Miami Dolphins, one of the big games of the week on Christmas Eve in the afternoon. Both teams coming in with the narrative of you both suck whenever you have to play a real team. So which one is it going to be? That's going to be interesting part here. It is in Miami. Tyreek Hill did not practice today. 
as Mike McDaniel liked to uh, remind us, that matters not at all when it comes to his game time decision here, whether or not he's going to go. My vibe is that Tyreek Hill is going to literally do everything in his power to play this week. I think we're going to see him out there. I'm going to ask you both this question. I want both your opinions here. Do you think there's any chance Tyreek Hill is going to play and just be a decoy? Like, is that something we have to worry about? I don't think so. I, I mean, I think if the offense had a reason, maybe if they think the Bills could catch them in the division, they might try something like that. I think Tyreek Hill realizes he needs 141 yards in back-to-back weeks and then get 2,000. I think that's what will get him out in that field if he's going to be out there. Adam, do you agree? I agree wholeheartedly. So do I. That's why I have Tyreek Hill ranked as my wide receiver three. I just, you know, when you see that, you see a high ankle sprain, I think it's a fair question you have to ask yourself, and it doesn't really matter. You're playing Tyreek Hill no matter what, if he is in fact active. All right. So getting back to Bryce's question real quick before we move on, he's got a two running back, two receiver, and a flex situation going on. A bunch of options. I'm not going to read all of them here. It's a full point PPR league. Uh, we'll get to his quarterback question in a second. So, Adam, Chris, let's help the guy out. You got five players to choose from from this group. Who are you going to go with? I am Adams, Ayuk, Hubbard, Kenneth, Aaron Jones. I think I'm the same. I'm um, Adams, Hubbard, Kenneth. You said he got a flex, so I, I go. Uh, is that Monty for Monty Williams? I would assume Montgomery. So I like Montgomery. Is the other one? I agree. I agree with you guys. Adams, Ayuk, Hubbard, Kenneth Walker, David Montgomery. Those would be my top five as well, Bryce. And then his quarterback question is Dak Prescott or Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Go ahead, guys. This, this should be the same answer. I like the Dak bounce back. Yeah, I do too. Chris. Don't even tell me. You guys are going to blast me on this one. I would go Mahomes on this one. I don't, I don't like Dak this Bold week. statement. That is that's terrible. Holmes hasn't been a good fantasy asset since last year. It's 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 been over. You really think Dak's gonna lay an egg like, against Miami like the way he did against Buffalo? Because that's the only way. The I don't think it's a complete it. egg, Dan. But I don't think he's a top three guy. And I think Mahomes had a pretty good week last week. It wasn't terrible last week. I like the matchup. He was, low, I, he was still a low in QB one last week. He was still twelve, so it still wasn't I, good. And that's one of his better weeks he's had in a long time. The one thing I'll give you is the last Raiders week was one of his few good act, like actually good weeks this year. I think was Josh McDaniel still coaching? No, it was week 12 uh, and he scored 25 just under 300 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, There's no way I'm not playing Dak. There's there's one, one bad game against Buffalo and bad weather up North is not, is not enough of a good enough reason for me to not play. I I keep Dak, but I, I will give you that this was a, is a decent matchup for Mahomes. Okay. There you go. Two to one. We'll see. Uh, anyway, so, so we're, cause we're speaking of Dak, I got him at ranked at QB three. So obviously I'd have to go with Dak Prescott, uh, to attack a little on the other side. I have as a low end QB one. If Tyree kill plays, if not Tyree kill, uh, excuse me, two attack of is going to fall back into my lower end mid level QB two territory. I'd be looking for other options, uh, there. I just he doesn't have the same ceiling, and even against Dallas, who there are big plays to be had. We've seen him get big plays as a receiver, and he's still not put up the fantasy production you're looking for because he's only throwing like one touchdown a game right now. 
It, it's that's where it's kind of been tough, but he has both those guys out there. It's a big enough game with a big enough over under at 51 and a half. I think that's true. I think we could see a shootout in this one. So I would probably play him if you had both those guys getting back to that, actually, by the way, because I skipped over it. Uh, Miami is favored in this game at minus one and a half. They have been eight and two this year as minus one and a half favorites because they're the home team. I'm going to take them to cover. Basically, I'm taking the Dolphins to win this game, essentially, is what I'm saying. Uh, Raheem Ostert, he's a must-play. Tony Pollard's a must-play. Chris, is Devon Achan a must-play? I got him at RB25, so you're probably flexing him no matter what. But I am lower than the ECR, who's got him at RB18. And the thing I just want to put out there is that if he doesn't score, he hasn't been anything more than a flex because he's not getting a ton of touches. And if he doesn't score, he doesn't get the big plays. He, he's not that elite guy that everyone wants to make him the B still. So how do you, how do you see this? Yeah. So I don't have him as an RB two strong option, as you guys are kind of alluded to. I do have concerns, you know, we've seen a 17, 17% more usage of Mostert since he's returned. So we don't see that kind of split. We saw earlier in the season, it's Mostert's backfield. And that's how we're going to kind of live. And if this game's close, I think they're going to rely on the veteran. They kind of showed that the entire time. Um, if even if it's not close, we haven't really seen 18 kind of finish off without the big plays or that those touchdowns you alluded to, Dan. You know, kind of reality's kicked in, and maybe it's partly kind of the injury part, partly, you know, with the usage, it wasn't going to necessarily be sustainable with the results you were getting. But overall, I'm not playing 18 with confidence this week. I think he's a flex option, but as a guy, I'm not necessarily trying to make sure I have my lineup. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when he pointed out the Raheem Mostert touches, especially in the red zone. Mostert has dominated where they were giving some of those looks to Achan. That has not been the case since he's returned from injury. Uh, Waddle, regardless, Tyreek Hill is a top 20 play for me this week. Adam, this is another why question for me. And I'm tired of having to talk about this player every single week because really he should be irrelevant. Uh, Brandon Cooks, for some reason, keeps getting ranked as a wide receiver three, according to ECR. I got him at 47. I've been on the bandwagon of you can't play Brandon Cooks other than one game. He hasn't really been that fantasy relevant. He's only getting four, five, six targets at most over the last five games am i missing something here no i think it's just a a case of like take lag i guess where he had a couple weeks uh they moved him up the boards and he just has never kind of come back down for whatever reason um yeah i don't know it's It's also justified that being qb3 dan i mean you got to get the yards of somebody so how how are you going to add up all those qb1 every single week up until last week without brandon cooks performing so that really hasn't been the issue cd land he had performed he had performed previous weeks as adam just talked about two weeks you know it's been sporadic but there hasn't been performances his only two weeks that he's had where he's been a fantasy a true fantasy asset was before Dak was actually becoming the qb1 uh, over the last four weeks, uh, I, I just pointed out, over the last five weeks, Brandon Cooks hasn't gotten more than six targets in any single game. And Dak Prescott's been on his tear as a QB1. Brandon Cooks has not been the key for Dak Prescott. It's been C.D. Lamb and Jake Ferguson. That has been the key. It has not been Brandon Cooks. He has gotten some touchdowns in that stretch and been playable, but it's I mean, not sustainable play. Stats. Thanks, thanks you. Thank you, Adam. Go ahead. It, it hasn't been sustainable play. And Brandon Cooks still didn't finish better than a low-end wide receiver, three high-end wide receiver, four in those two games that he scored a touchdown and only one touchdown apiece and only had 30 yards in those games. So that really hasn't been big a big factor. Again, it remains my point. Okay, so C.D. Lamb catches how many yards? Ferguson catches how many yards? Who gets the remaining yards? It's a mixture of Cooks, Gallup, 
uh, Tolbert and Pollard out of the backfield. And it's been a mixture enough where none of them have really eaten that much. There's not a third go-to option in his offense. It's CeeDee Lamb, who I've ranked as the wide receiver one this week. And it's been Jake Ferguson. You have you had to play. After that, it's a mixture of people. And it hasn't been Cooks. Then I'm not disagreeing with you that I wouldn't play with any of these guys. I'm just saying this is why you're kind of getting the rankings you're getting. You're looking for that third piece if you're going to justify having a QB3. I don't, I don't think that argument makes any sense because Dak Prescott's been a top three quarterback without Cooks being fantasy. Why relevant. do we draft Chiefs receivers every year? Why do we draft guys with certain you're quarterbacks? Looking for that one guy. You're looking, you're, you're you're looking, looking for, for the one numbers guy. from the one guy. Sorry, right. You're, you're looking for the one guy, correct? We already know who the one guy is. We have C.D. Lamb. He is no wide receiver one. That's where you're justifying it at. Drake Ferguson is a top 10 tight end. That's where you're justifying it at number two. Tony Pollard is a top 10 running back. That's the other place where you're justifying it at. You don't need more than one wide receiver to have those top three performances. We've seen that time and time again. I don't know how Tony Pollard's receiving totals highest has been this whole season. I think it's been very again Pollard, Pollard, Tolbert, Gallup, Brandon Cooks is is getting mixed up between those four, and that's where we land at. Like I said, I'm not arguing with you. I I agree that I'm not playing Cooks, and I don't think he's an option. I'm just saying I think that's why they justify it. I don't think you can justify it there. And there's plenty of evidence to show that you don't need to justify it as far as that third option goes for Prescott to be a top three quarterback. We've seen it time and time again already this year. Uh, but anyway, moving on, we're not playing Brandon Cooks. Ferguson, I had, like I said, I locked him in the top 10. You guys have any other notes you want to add into this game? All right, let's move on. <laughs> We got the Patriots and the Denver Broncos. This, unfortunately, is the Sunday night, Christmas Eve night game. I couldn't think of a more boring game to put on TV, but here we are. Uh, So we got the Patriots and Broncos here. Again, the Broncos are at home, favored at minus six with 36 and a half over under. The Patriots don't offer much in the way of firepower. I I know. Well, so I'm staying away from the under because the last couple games I've bet the under the Patriots, somehow those games wind up going over. <laughs> it's not exciting, but it has happened the last two games. So I'm actually well, going to stay away from that. On the sidelines of, other, of those games, Dan, because that's the key to me in this game. Sorry. I don't disagree. I was literally just about to say with Denver's side, like they don't do more offensively than they have to. So if you're going to bet anything, it would be the under, but I actually do like the Broncos to cover at minus six. I just don't see the Patriots being able to score really all that much against this Denver defense right now, who, who who's much better than what we saw against Detroit. Can we all agree? Like, some people are going back like, oh, I told you this Denver defense is terrible. Detroit's a really bad matchup for that Denver team because they're still bad against the run. And that's what Detroit does really, really well, especially at home. So don't read too much into that. As you can imagine, Chris is alluding to, I mean, if we're going to bet anything, we bet the under. Not a lot of fantasy points to go around. Don't love Russell Wilson. Obviously, Zappy shouldn't be on your radar. Ezekiel uh, Elliott's good, though. RB18, Ramondre Stevenson, not going to be out there. We didn't. No one saw him again today, so any hope of him coming back week 16, I think, just went out the window. And you love his total volume that he's been having. Javante Williams. Adam, let's have a little conversation about Javante here. I got him at RB28. I don't think he's a must play. It was horrible last week. It was a tough matchup last week. I get it, but he's got another tough matchup this week against New England too. And it's just not a lot of explosiveness, not finding the end zone consistently. The volume is going to be there, which is why he's flex worthy. But man, there's not much of a ceiling in my book. Javante will, am I too low on Javante Williams? 
I almost wonder if you're a little high and j- Ooh, just okay. based on I'm not 100% convinced the volume will be there. He had like right down the middle half the snaps this past week. And I know part of that, I, I imagine some of it's because of game script, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I struggle with projecting him, uh, you know, too much volume. Um, I, I think he's their best running back. I think he's talent. I do think he's a flex consideration, um, but yeah. Chris, are you in the same boat? Yeah, I'm not even excited about necessarily playing them on the flex either. Uh, the, the big thing Danny kind of alluded to is lack of touchdowns. I mean, uh-huh. you're not getting big plays. You get some, you get volume in a sense because you get you know different touches and carries. But even the targets are like two yard passes he catches. So it's like you're getting so little off the the, the volume. It's really hard to justify. Whereas a Patriot team's not going to give a lot of points isn't really eager to score a lot of points either. So I don't love Javante Williams in my lineup this week. Yeah, I, he he has to score, basically. He has to score if he's going to give you any value back, and that has been very hard to come by. Cortland Sutton, I have him as a high-end wide receiver. So he doesn't score. <laughs> Was that? All so, all, all, to a guy who all he does is score. <laughs> Yeah, to a guy, all he does is score. Yeah, Cortland Sutton, yeah, I have him as a high and wide receiver three. Uh, just because it is a tougher matchup here against New England. We don't know how much firepower is going to be. I can say this every week about Cortland Sutton. It might only be four or five targets. I don't know what's going to happen. It probably won't happen until the fourth quarter when you're ready to throw your controller through the screen for having played him. And then all of a sudden he catches that one bomb touchdown. So for that reason, he's a high and wide receiver three. I think you're probably going to get him in your lineups. Other than that, I'm not touching any wide receivers on either team. Pop Douglas came back last week. That was nice. That was cute. I don't like the matchup against his Denver secondary, and there's just not enough going on offensively. The only Patriot weapon outside of Zeke Elliott, who I do want to talk about, is Hunter Henry, who I do have coming as a tight end 11. Now, we have an injury concern with Hunter Henry. He's dealing with the knee. He did not practice today. We are going to have to keep our eyes on that, unfortunately. But he's been a top three tight end the last two weeks. He's had three touchdowns in that time. A couple weeks ago, we thought maybe it was a fluke because he only had the three targets. But then last week, he comes back, and he had 32% of the team target share, and that was with the top receivers back and healthy, Devontae Parker, Pop Douglas. Denver allows the most fantasy points to tight ends this season. And that's not including the Dolphins game. I always like to point that out. That that is not skewed by that game whatsoever. So I think Hunter Henry's a must play. What say you, Adam? Yeah, I I think so. I think you take a little bit of a knock to the volume just with the injury. Uh, I do still think he he firmly tops one, though. Uh, I I only say that to say that, you know, say he came in fully healthy to this game, I would almost be willing to put him, you know, somewhere in my top eight versus I put him probably closer to that back portion just because of the knee injury um but i definitely top 12 chris you're smiling i'm just thinking to myself this is the situation why i hate this you know we talk about playoffs and not wanting to get cute hunter henry's a guy that i think absolutely should be in your lineup has a great matchup and i keep saying in the back of my head bill o'brien does nothing that makes sense and that's what's going to screw it all <laughs> up so you're supposed to play him you're going to play him and then you're going to sit there and be like why wasn't he involved? And you never have <laughs> any other answer other than Bill O'Brien, 2023. Well, it is the number one downfall of fantasy football. All we can do is what makes sense. It doesn't mean the coaches are going to do what makes sense. And there's nothing we can really do about that. Cause unfortunately we can't be flies on the wall inside to see what the game plan is going to be. Uh, you guys got any other notes to this game? 
I don't want to watch this. Okay. I don't either. I, I will be doing Christmas parties. I will not be watching this game if I can at all help it. All right, let's go to our next game. <laughs> We got three games on Christmas Day. Our first one at 1 o'clock is the Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. On the Raiders' side, Josh Jacobs still dealing with that quad issue. There was some back and forth about what people thought his availability was going to be. There were some reports earlier on from insiders that thought Josh Jacobs was not going to go this week. And then Antonio Pierce comes out, and it could just be coach speak, but he comes out and says if he was a betting man, that he would bet on Josh Jacobs being available this week. So, We'll wait to see. Didn't practice today, though, so not off to the right foot. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs side, Isaiah Pacheco, they've already come out, said emphatically that Pacheco is going to play this week. So I think we will have Pacheco back for that one. Kansas City, this is in Kansas City, by the way. They are favored at minus 10, 43 and a half over under. I think the Raiders are going to play them tough. I do. I think the Raiders are going to cover at 10 points. Kansas City's not good enough to beat anybody who's actually decent at 10 points. They barely beat New England last week by 10 points, 27 to 17. And the Raiders are playing inspired football right now. And there's nobody they want to beat more than the Kansas City Chiefs. This is basically like the Raiders Super Bowl, this game. Uh, I think they play them tough. I think it's going to be close. That, that, that's what I'm looking at here. So I'm taking the Raiders. I should have hit this. Covering as an underdog this week. Pastor Holmes, I got him at QB 10. He starts got him at six. He doesn't have that ceiling. I do have him at 10. He's still a starter, four-line starter here. Uh, Jacobs, if he plays, I still have as an RB22. The only good news, and Adam, you and I talked about this on Sunday night, at least we know now that the handcuff is, in fact, Zamir White. Now, I do kind of want to throw this out there a little bit. Early on in that game, when it was still kind of a game between the Chargers and the Raiders, we saw Zamir White, Amir Abdullah, and even Brandon Bolden to some degree kind of get mixed in here a little bit. So I'm a little bit curious, is, is it how that game went in your mind? Is that why we saw Zamir White? Is there any part of you that thinks maybe Amir Abdullah has a bigger showing this week than we were anticipating or saw a week ago? Is there any part that enters your mind, Adam? I think... Maybe a touch for uh, Abdullah. We saw Brandon Bolden, but by that point, it was at least like 14 to 21 points. And I think anyone there, it certainly felt like it on the broadcast that like by the second touchdown, you just knew the Chargers had nothing. Um, so I, I think you kind of started a little rotating, at least at the backs early. Um, so as far as Bra I'm not concerned about Brandon Bolden, even in the slightest. That one I, I will go out and say. Abdullah, I do think will firmly have the third down work. Um, you know, if uh, Zamir White and him kind of get the play. But I, I think this is a team they're going to want to run against. They had struggled to get the ball to Devontae Adams against this Chiefs secondary when they played last. Um, and they they ran the ball really well on them. So I, I do think that there's something to be said about just rushing volume uh, against this team. So Zamir White is my preferred running back. I do think you'll see some snaps from Amir Abdullah. And it might be enough that you're frustrated with him, but uh, I, I still think you get at least like 15 opportunities for Zamir White, assuming Jacobs doesn't play. Chris, you see this the same way. I think the one difference for me is that Nick Bolton, I believe, did not play that Week 12 game. I right. think he has returned back to the lineup. That's a huge part of their run defense for Kansas City. Um, my concern with Adam talked about the third down route, um, um, third down role being clearly Abdullah's, which means the passing opportunities is clearly Abdul's, which means if you're down to the Chiefs, who's probably going to play most of the time is going to be the pass guy. So I do think there's a limited upside for zero. I think they're going to want to run the ball, 
but I don't think this is going to be an easy game for them to move the ball. You know, Connell had a good game last week. It hasn't necessarily been the norm week in, week out. So I do have some concern whether they're going to be able to move the ball enough for Samir White to kind of be the guy that you want him to be in your lineup to get to the 15 touches. Yeah, for instance, if Josh Jacobs is out, uh, Zamira White will just crack my top 36, and I think it would take a touchdown, honestly, for him to get there. I am a little bit worried about Amir Abdullah getting significant work in this game because of how I expect this game script to kind of go. Um, speaking with running backs, Zay Pacheco, he comes back. And ECR, as always, trying to rank him as an RB1. That's just not who he is. I got him ranked at RB19. He's still going to be in your lineup. I'm not saying that. He's still lock him in as a starter there. But just manage your expectations. The big thing I need to pound home for everybody, and I need, I need you guys to understand this. He only has a 50-50 in red zone snaps when Jarek McKinnon is healthy on the field. I get it in the box score. It doesn't show up. Pacheco's much more productive in that area. Touches the ball in the red zone a hell of a lot more than McKinnon does. But the snap count is nearly 50-50 because the Chiefs love to do that shotgun. And it limits Pacheco. It limits his upside. It limits his ceiling. I just want you guys to have proper expectations. Pacheco's still going to be in your lineup. I just want to point that out, though. So just kind of keep that in mind. Anyway, uh, Devontae Adams, he had seven targets and 73 yards the last time he played his Kansas City Chiefs team. Very tough on the secondary, but still a wide receiver too, especially in half-point PPR in my book. Rocky Rice must play. I got him at wide receiver 14 this week. We have found, finally, the number one target for Patrick Mahomes. That includes, in my opinion, Travis Kelsey right now at this point, who's just not playing inspired football to say the least. So Rashi Rice, a must play in my opinion, and Jacoby Myers, a lower end flex play. Do you guys agree, disagree with any of that? All right. Uh, Travis Kelsey, still a top five tight end, but number five for me, not number one. And that's pretty much it for me for this game. You guys got any other notes you want to add in here? Okay. Let's move to our next game. The Giants and the Eagles are the mid-Christmas Day game. Uh, the Giants right now, actually, surprisingly enough, from a fantasy standpoint, not many to go around, but don't have many guys on the injury report either. I'm looking at mostly Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley there. Uh, Eagles look pretty healthy, too, from a fantasy standpoint. Eagles are favored in this game in Philadelphia at minus 10.5 with a 44 over-under. Assuming the Eagles are healthy, they should cover in this game. I don't believe Tommy DeVito is going to be able to cover the 10 and a half. I'm saying, sorry, sorry, Tommy Cutlets, but not, not believing in you here. Finally came back to their down reality last week. Jalen Hurts has been throwing the ball pretty poorly. Doesn't matter. He gets a, a rushing to two rushing touchdowns every single game. The guy's on pace for 20 rushing touchdowns because he gets a push-tush and that is their goal line situation. So he's my QB2 on the week. Saquon, Adam, Adam, Chris, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show. There is some reason to be concerned here. I don't know why Matt Breida is suddenly the third down back, or at least he was last week. It doesn't make any sense to me, being that's Barkley's best attribute, in my opinion. Uh, I still have Barkley as a very low-end RB1. I say very low-end. Low-end RB1. I still have him as a, a, a RB12. The reasoning being, I cannot see the Giants going into this game against Philadelphia and not thinking that they can do anything but get Saquon the ball and have any chance to be competitive in this game. I just can't see that not being the game plan here. So I'm going to write off last week to being a weird little situation that was going on and say that Saquon gets back on track in this one. You guys see this the same way? You have more concern here. I think I have a touch more concern. 
I, I would bump him to like a high end too. So not like a, I, I think he's a must play. I don't think you can take him out of your lineup, but I would be extremely concerned because the way this game script could go kind of to your point on the spread. If he does lose that third down role still, things could get bad, bad against this Eagles front that does do really well against the run. Could be. Your your floor is the floor. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with that. Chris, nodding your head, you agree with that too? Yeah, I have him as a you know, low, the mid RB2. I don't think I, I don't see the upside necessarily. I agree with you, Dan. The idea should be that you're using logic again. That's not necessarily something that applies. Unfortunately, unfortunately, if only we could be coaches in the NFL, guys. Uh, DeAndre Swift's an RB2 for me. I got him at RB21. He looked pretty good to me on Monday night. Uh, yeah, he he's the ball. He, right. He looks pretty good in general. He's just not always consistently getting the football. Uh, still an RB2 for me this week, regardless, though. Uh, ECR's got AJ Brown as a wide receiver one this week. I think that's a little. Sh- I mean, I still have a wide receiver six. He still must play. Don't get me twisted here. I'm not super down on him compared to, but I think it's a little strong to say AJ Brown's a wide receiver one, considering it's been a while since the Eagles have really gotten him the ball consistently. And uh, as Chris pointed out, you ever see a guy close his eyes and throw the ball deep and just pray? Because that's kind of what we're seeing. And it wasn't just Monday night that we've been seeing that. We've been seeing that for a couple games now where Jalen Hurts is just kind of launching bombs, A.J. Brown, no particular direction, and hoping he kind of comes down with the football. So still have to play A.J. Brown, still ultimately like the matchup. But I'm not expecting number one performance overall in this situation. And Devonta Smith, my ranking kind of reflects more of my concern for this team because I have him at wide receiver 21, so more of a low-end wide receiver two. I don't know. What do you guys – are we looking for the Eagles? Do you think this is the week they bounce back offensively for these for these receivers? Or, or what, do, what do you got here? So can I jump in real quick? Just yeah. to the, you know, the, 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 the A.J. Brown thing, I'm glad you kind of noted that. Now you're still higher than I am on – I just can't understand how people are so excited about AJ Brown being a top, you know, opportunist. It's been since week twelve since he's got one touchdown since week twelve. He's got one one hundred yard game since week twelve. Um, I know he's going to be targeted. He's going to be the number one targeted guy for this receiving core. But the Giants' defense has gotten better as the seasons progressed. And I know that you can beat some one on one coverage. But to the point earlier, Jalen Hurts has been, you know, very accurate right now. So I am concerned about AJ Brown having the upside that you're kind of expecting as a receiver one. I want to make sure I'm going to kind of, you know, tell him a lot of accordingly because I don't think A.J. Brown's going to be the smash spot that he is. Now, Devonta Smith's the guy I do think that you can play as a flex option. Also, as a receiver, too, I think it's a little rich for my blood because I think there's a guy that, once again, I'm concerned about how involved you're going to be to get the volume. Adam, you see this the same way. I, I think I agree with, with Chris's interpretation. This passing offense is bad. Uh, there, there's certainly... You know, the possibility that we say all this and then just because you're going to get some one-on-ones, you get the good deep shot. But there, there's just as likely um, that, you know, there's two deep shots available in the game. You know, A.J. Brown or Devonta breaks it, but Hurts misses. And that's what we've been seeing when him go, he goes down the field as of late. And that's, I think, my biggest concern. I think the wide receivers have great matchups, but I, I'm concerned about Hurts' ability to capitalize and I'm more concerned about their need to because I don't know that they necessarily they're going to need to go down the field. And the problem with this Eagles offense, at least as far as the receivers are concerned, if they make it in the red zone, it's effectively over for them. 
Well, if they get inside the five, it's effectively over for everybody. That, that's been kind of, unless you have Jalen Hurts, that's kind of been the issue a little bit. Here's what I will say. Even though, yes, theoretically, from a game script standpoint, they may not need to take those shots to beat this giant team. But because of the skid that they have been on, especially offensively, I think they need to take those shots because they need to get back on track. So I think there is a narrative for that, too. Dan, I, I 100% agree with you. I think that would be the smart thing to do. I am concerned they're going to go the opposite way, though. And because they've been on this losing streak, no, they have to have a win and get as basic and vanilla as possible as a result. I can't disagree. There's a lot. The point is this. I think even in a good match against the Giants, there's a lot of volatility right now with the Eagles because they are not themselves and they are not playing with an identity. And that makes it very volatile for fantasy purposes all the way around, even though ultimately when you look at Goddard, when you look at Smith, when you look at Brown, you look at Hertz, I doubt you have better options. You're probably playing all these guys anyway. Uh, so that's ultimately what we're saying there too. We throw DeAndre Swift into that conversation on the Giants side. Chris, did you raise your hand there? No. Okay. On the Giants side, uh, Darren Waller outside of Saquon Barkley is the only guy I have some interest in. He does not crack my top 12, so he's not a must play for me, uh, but I do still have him as a high end tight end too. We saw him get a little bit more involved last week, and I think he's the only real receiving threat. And with Matt Patricia calling plays, along with running backs, he's been historically bad against tight ends. Well, I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm just going to throw that out there. So it could be a sneaky little play here with Patricia defense. Guess what, guys? Uh, I'm not putting Patricia as an upgrade for your defense, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there, too. Uh, you guys got any other notes of this game? All right, let's go to our last one. <laughs> Baltimore Ravens, San Francisco, unfortunately for the Ravens, uh, the Keaton Mitchell thing, just terrible, terrible timing with his ACL. Did not want to see that. That was a shame. Uh, nobody on San Francisco that we're worried about as far as their availability goes this is in San Fran. They're favored at minus five and a half points with an over under of 45 and a half. This could be a Super Bowl preview. I don't have a value bet for you as far as the game lines are concerned. I think it's going to be a very, very close game. I think it go either way. I think well, let's of- go out. Will the lights go out? Will we get? Yeah. Will it be a recap of that Super Bowl from years and years ago? Uh, I think a big thing here, as far as betting this game, you have to wait to see who on the defense of the San Francisco side is going to be healthy because they, they are dealing with quite a number of injuries. So we'll have to see there. Um, as far as uh, yeah, I mean Hargrave, Eric Armstead, I mean, that's going to be a big effect. I was going to say fantasy wise, we don't have a ton of headlines, but Gus Edwards with no Keaton Mitchell, if those two guys are out. We saw the Cardinals have running success. That could be a big thing. Gus Edwards, who I do have ranked at RB30 right now because of the anticipation as of now I have of those guys playing. If it turns out they're not going to play, Gus Edwards is going to jump to be a top 24 and a must-play RB2 for me in that book. So that's something here, especially in these playoffs, you got to watch these injury reports on the defensive side to see who exactly is going to be available here. That's going to be a big thing. Uh, outside of that, I don't have too many headlines in this one. I mean, San Francisco guys, you're going to play them. This is probably the toughest match that they've seen in a while, but Brock Purdy, CMC, Debo Samuel has been on fire, Brian Ayuk, George Kittle. Uh, you might have you some OBJ well, Dan. Well, hold on. I was going to get to the Ravens in a second. You might have some concern like we did with the Eagles as far as maybe you're not super, super excited as you were, uh, but there's no way you're not playing any of these guys, frankly, in your lineup. Chris, to go to your point. OBJ Zay Flowers. That's the other thing on this one. So what were you going to get to? No, I was going to say, I know that's been the kind of the debate and OBJ kind of had a no-show last week after you know looking pretty good. Last well, all the receivers weeks. had a no-show. 
Zay Flowers only had one catch for seven yards. OBJ only had one catch for 14 yards. So it was, it was just, it was all Lamar running, frankly, is what that game was. And yeah, Isaiah likely. likely. <laughs> and I was like, and Isaiah likely. Um, I do like likely a lot, by the way. He's a must play for me. He's a top eight tight end. San Fran has not been good against tight ends this year, period. So I do like Isaiah likely a lot in this game. As far as receivers go, and Chris, I think this gets to your point. Uh, I do have Zay Flowers ranked ahead. I have him at wide receiver 31. I have OBJ at wide receiver 38. I think there's a little bit of a better matchup for Zay Flowers. Uh, Lenore, who's been mostly the slot corner, especially when Trevor's Ward plays a little banged up. Now, I, do, I don't think he's going to miss this game, but he may not be at 100%. And I just think the slot area attacking the 49ers has been a little bit more effective than attacking them on the perimeter, especially as of late so i am leaning zay flowers but still as a mid-level wide receiver three how are you guys seeing this zay flowers or obj this week i'm trying to avoid playing either one but i I, I would prefer to be honest that after watching last week's kind of debacle i'm very nervous about playing any receivers versus 49 defense yeah Uh, if i was forced to pick i'm gonna keep riding with zay we've never seen the volume with odell at least we've seen volume with zay before um but I, I agree. I'm trying to avoid playing either one if I at all possible. Yeah. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I forgot to mention him, but he's a top five quarterback to San Francisco. Historically speaking, has struggled against scrambling quarterbacks. I know they've played a little bit better as of late. Uh, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray. Uh, but again, this is going to come down to who's available on the 49ers defense, I think, for this one. And regardless, you're not going to have much of a better option than Lamar Jackson. At least I wouldn't imagine you would for this upcoming week. Uh, you guys got anything else you want to add here before we head into week 16? Good luck Good to luck. everybody. Yeah. If you got here, and congratulations. You know, as we talked about earlier, don't overthink it and play with things that you know, you kind of trusted all season long. Don't get cute now. Don't get cute now. I love the advice there. We will be back at 9.30 tomorrow night with Brian Scott from the Injury List Podcast to talk about all these injuries that could be affecting your matchups this upcoming week. So make sure you tune in for that. Follow us on your favorite podcast apps. You can stay up to date with the show when you're on the go and traveling around for the holidays. We will not be here on Sunday nights, Christmas Eve. We have families and holidays too, so we will not be doing the Heroes and Zeros recap. After tomorrow, we won't be back until Wednesday, the preview you your championship week so guys good luck this weekend and we'll talk to you soon (laughs) 